The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions... Only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers Podcast. Yo, what's the deal, Panther fans? It's your boy, the professor, a.k.a. Tony Dunn. It's the C3 Panthers Podcast brought to you by brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com, where every Tuesday night we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions. You can find me on Twitter at Cat underscore Chronicles. You can get into the show tonight by calling into the Cat Calls line. The number is 252-228-5098. That's 252-228-5098, where you can chop it up with the best Panther fans around and some of my favorite friends when it comes to talking about the Carolina Panthers. I'm about to get their window pulled up. Unprepared Tony here tonight. Welcome to the C3 Panthers podcast, Cody Lashney. Tony Dunn, listen, you are known as the professor. And last Sunday, you gave your boy some homework. And I delivered, and I'm looking for my A+, baby. Tonight, I have my top five general manager candidates for after the Panthers need to do what is inevitable, and that is fire Marty Herney. And I'm going to list all of the reasons why that should be done. I'm pumped to do it. Tony Dunn. We're going to do it with the best Panther fans and all of YouTube. Damn it. Let's go. Humble flip. No fool. 10 tizzy. Trill one. Underground West. Joey the Blind Panther Esquivel. Tripper Turf Talk. Civil Peach 81. 704 Bound Charlotte. Tony Dunn. Ain't nothing to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. Go ahead and smash the thumbs up button, folks. Got a good show for you tonight. Tonight's show, what is the title of it? Tonight's show is, what did I name it? Can Carolina buy a GM for the win? And I spelled buy like that intentionally, B-Y-E, as we go into a buy. So we're trying to buy a win. We might be trying to buy a GM tonight when it comes to Cody Lashley. We got a lot to talk about. Comes to rumors when it comes to 
not signing, re-signing, or re-signing Taylor Moten. Some some murmurs flying around on that. We'll address that. And one of the big issues tonight is going to be talking about the final stages of that Minnesota game and really how the team has reacted to the final couple of drives there and the subject of accountability is going to come up we'll hear from Matt Rule on the topic tonight we'll hear from Teddy Bridgewater and I'm going to tell you guys I think Teddy Bridgewater changed his tune a little bit when it came to Monday but for all you people that just says that this I just want to say Teddy is a little defensive about this and pulled a little Tom Brady on it there's a little Tom Brady and Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe he studied under him rather than Drew Brees. We'll have that audio from the press conferences and more tonight. And to break it up, chop it up with us is the man of many podcasts, the Stat Daddy, a.k.a. Greg. How you doing, Greg? I'm doing fantastic, man. It's that time of year where we know what's going on with the franchise. We know kind of what we are, where we're going to be at. And, uh, you know, I get to kind of tout that I've been right about Teddy Bridgewater all year, and there's no defense people have for Bridgewater. I can't wait to talk about that in this game. I'm especially interested to hear Cody's stats and Cody's homework because uh, I think he can be very convincing. I just want to hear I want to hear a convincing argument. I think he'll give it to us, so ready to do it. Uh, also, uh, the man of many streams, CK in the house, and I went back and listened to the post game, CK, and you were on fire, man. You really brought it. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, I was. Uh, I I ended that game more angry than all season at Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. You know that was just how it was. And when I went into that, it was you know what we had is a, a quarterback who very well could have hurt. It, it, luckily, it doesn't sound like it's super problematic, but could have ended DJ Moore's season based on the way that that looked. You know, that's what we thought. We saw him grimacing in pain on a non-contact injury on a wide-open back-of-the-end-zone route that any quarterback in the NFL should have been able to hit. And mm-hmm. it was solely on and, – and, and after – by the way, after watching your little stinger, uh, Tony, I hated Teddy Bridgewater even more. <laughs> because he is – he doesn't even mention DJ. He doesn't. He mentions Robbie Anderson. He said, I should have gone a different route. Like, I should have made a, or I should have gone to Rob. Like, dude, you had your man in the back of the end zone. You cannot say miscommunication. There's no reason DJ Moore literally stands still in the back of the end zone right there. Mm-hmm. There is no route that exists that you're going to have him just stand still right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah uh, speaking so of that, uh, that stinger, let me see if I can pull it up right now. I thought that it was interesting myself. And here was Teddy Bridgewater after the game. And I thought I put this together well with the plays. Yeah. And uh, check it out on Twitter. Make sure you retweet. I'm going to play it for you guys right now. The fellas can't see it, but they can hear it. You guys can see everything because I love the YouTube chat. This is Teddy Bridgewater. Hold on. Hold on. I got two videos playing at the same time. Yeah. I feel like we might have panicked a little bit, you know, trying to figure out what play call to call, um, you know, in that situation because it's like, man, do you, do you run the ball and, you know, get stopped? Uh, make, a, make the clock go down to probably a minute or 10, throw the ball, try to score. And I think um, 
honestly, we called a great play. We just didn't have enough time to execute the play. It was a play where we wanted to shift Robbie to get a good, you know, man zone read, uh, to see what defense they're in. And because we, uh, you know, we're against the clock, uh, we just had to rush into it. I think if, you know, we would have got the play call in, you know, um, or we would have been able to make a decision sooner on what call to make. I think um, we see the look, we check to a run play, and hopefully we score, or, you know, we make the clock go down. But um, just one of those deals where, you know, DJ popped open. Um, wasn't the right look, but still just got to hit the throw problem. TJ, I'm sorry. Let me follow up real quick on that. So you're saying that the play came into you late from the sidelines? No, it was just one of those deals where I think um, they were trying to decide, you know, how we wanted to approach the situation. Um, we Did we want to, you know, run the ball, like I said, get the clock down? And then before you know it, once you made a decision, had about 15 seconds, just tried to uh, hurry up and get the play snapped. But uh, looking back, like I said, if we could have just, you know, got it off, you know, a second or three seconds later, we would have got into a run play and I had a better chance to score a touchdown. All right, guys. So um, what's crazy to me, as I went back and watched this and I made this video, um, the thing that bothered I, – I said, what, how about this? Let me ask you questions. What are your thoughts on DJ's response? This was DJ after the game talking about – the final drive, particularly hey, the final call. Yes. Uh, listen, man, I kind of think that uh, he read his Twitter mentions. I kind of think that Teddy Bridgewater went online because I know damn well Teddy Bridgewater goes on Twitter. Okay, I have seen him bullshitting back and forth with uh, people on Twitter, uh, you know, before the season started. We know this is something that he does. Okay? And Yesterday, especially after that clip, even Teddy Bridgewater defenders, noted Teddy Bridgewater defenders, got pissed off at how he answered that question and started to call him out and say, man, that ain't it, man. How are you not going to own up on that one? How are you not going to take your fair share of the blame for not hitting DJ Moore wide open in the back of the end zone? I mean, that, that was on him. I know there are people that are trying to say, oh, he didn't. Uh, he should have sat down in the soft spot of the zone and that he shouldn't have kept running. Whatever, man. Teddy Bridgewater missed the throw and didn't take his responsibility for it. And Twitter got on his ass. And he felt like a dumbass. And maybe even the coaches said, hey, man, listen, we're preaching accountability over here. And everyone has to take the onus on themselves. So what if it was... Even if it was right that it was a miscommunication, if you're the quarterback, everything. But that's not what he said. He didn't you. say it was a miscommunication. He kept saying a couple of things. He and he said it over and I and I might play it again. Mm -hmm. uh, and I got the Monday press conference. That's the directly after the game press conference response. He kept saying yeah. it wasn't the right, right look. Uh, we didn't get the playoff, and you know we didn't have enough time. I tell you one thing is we got away with several delayed game calls in this game. There were several times it looked like to me that the clock, the play clock was at zeros, and then we snapped the ball and they gave it to us. This was one of those plays. My, I, I have a couple of questions though. My follow up question to Teddy would be. What does not getting the play in fast enough matter when you get the play off, actually, and everybody is wide open? 
Mm-hmm. Right. I That's mean, true. like at the, at that one point, it, to me, it seems like yes, you might not have been as uh, calm and prepared, you know, but you do have to note that, like, I mean, this is part on you. You know, the play clock's going to go. The other question I have is, what do you? What's up with the look thing? Why do you keep saying it's not the right look? It's not the right look. He was wide the hell right. open. What was mm-hmm. the right look? And third, I'm asking Teddy Bridgewater at this point: Are you scared, homie? Are you scared? Because all you kept saying is, we should have run the ball. We should have run the ball. We should have run the ball. DJ Moore's wide open. The touchdown was there. The play could have worked, should have worked. You said it was a good play call. Yes, there could have been some better things in execution, A, and getting the play call in a little faster, getting to the line. It wasn't getting the play call in. That was actually a thing. The refs put the ball in play a little quicker than they expected. That was one of the things we'll hear from Matt Rule on that. But why do you want to run the ball so bad when this guy's wide open? Why don't you want the ball there? Give the ball to the best player on the field type mentality. Where's the dog in you, Teddy? And why don't you just say, I missed the throw? Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right, man. It, it, it's all about accountability. And, and here's the thing that bothers me the most about Teddy Bridgewater and the comments he was making is you're right. He's talking about the timing and that not the right look. And he, he's, I think he's alluding to they didn't have enough time to figure out the right play call for that moment. Man, I sure do wish you practiced. I sure do wish you got a chance to practice that because that would have given you enough time to make that decision and be a quarterback that's a leader of a team and make that play because I, I guess we just got to give him time to practice, you know? It sure looked like the right look to, to me as DJ Moore is wide open in the back of the end zone. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He's, he's making an excuse is what it sounds like. It's, it really sounds like an excuse because it doesn't make any sense when you break it down like we're doing it right now. And by the way, right. Teddy, and Teddy has been the starter all year for us, okay? Mm-hmm. And people were going to drag P.J. Walker over hot coals for throwing two red zone interceptions. But Ted, Teddy's been the starter all year, and he can't give, even get on the right rhythm to find an open dj Moore mm-hmm. at the back of the end zone like that guy has been practicing with the ones all year mm-hmm. i mean this guy is our starter uh, okay so why is it not even double on bridgewater for him making mistakes in the red zone when uh, pj walker was coming in hot off the bench and still managed to do more I don't need it's, to blame I mean, him. I don't need to feel better about blame. I, I'm not going to feel better about myself or this game by blaming Teddy Bridgewater. I was just interested in the idea that there was no mention that he missed the throw. He missed, he missed the mm-hmm. throw, yeah. Yeah, no accountability. That's the only thing. All right, here's Matt Rule on this final drive. If you want, if you tried to go for it or thought about going for it on fourth and goal from the three, and just in general, seemed like y'all didn't run much clock in the last two times you had the ball. Well, the last, the, the I think we ran the ball down to, uh, you know, we ran the ball down under, you know, five, six seconds. You know, I, I would have liked to get it, gotten it less. Um, Teddy, who normally snaps under five, was like around eleven on the first drive. Um, we had a good drive going, and then. Um, uh, had that second and 14, you know, play just didn't work. They hit us for a tackle for loss. We're kind of behind the chains. So, um, uh, I'm referring to in terms of us just not, not keeping the ball moving. You know, we threw the ball in the flat, uh, something, you know, weren't able to complete it. Um, punting the ball down, gets the ball back to us. And I think that time they, um, you know, we ran the ball on first down, went to the two minute warning, ran the ball on second down to get them to use their last time out. 
And um, had it been at the two yard line, I would have gone for it. You know, uh, at the three, um, we hadn't had much success with those type plays yet. So I figured take the points, make them have to score a touchdown and an extra point, um, uh, you know, with, with them having no timeouts left. So that was the thought process. Um, you know, had they had they score with five seconds left, I would, you know, say maybe I should have run the ball on third down. Um, I thought we had a good play. It was wide open. We just weren't able to connect on it. I thought a touchdown would end the game. Um, fourth down, I just figured take the points, make them score a touchdown. They scored so quickly that I don't know that I can relate it back to any of those things. At least gave us a chance to have the ball back um, at the end. Yeah, Matt, on that third down play, you're coming out of a timeout, which, of course, they had called. And it looked like somehow Teddy ended up having to kind of rush the call and, and barely beat the, the play clock. What happened there, and did it affect the mechanics of the play itself? Yeah, they they um, you know I don't want to sit here and complain about anything. They 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 put the ball in play and while we were still on the sideline. So you know normally those things aren't quite that fast. You know at least we were not expecting expect to do that fast. It was fast. That's on us. Again, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a good enough day. Do you think it did affect kind of Teddy's throw and just the playing? Um, I can't say that, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, it's our job to have simple, calm plays. You know, I mean, again, it's well designed. He was under duress on that play, so have to put those things on us. There's a different tone in that um, when I hear that, uh, and I didn't hear. Matt Rule blame any of the players. Uh, I don't hear, you know, I mean, he explained what happened. Uh, he didn't even throw Joe Brady under the bus at, at all for this not being off fast enough. Is that, and there was something to this. I think we were, they were coming off of a timeout. Um, it did seem like all of a sudden, it was always, it's been strange this season when a, a team has taken a timeout ourselves, the other team. And then we still look flustered or rushed at that moment. You would think you would be very well prepared with that additional time to get the playoff. But he said, look, they put the ball in play a little bit faster while we were on the sidelines. He didn't say that it was supposed to interrupt the throw. But again, I think he's saying here, we've got to make that touchdown. You make that throw, this game's over. He'll say it in a different spot too. We make a stop on defense, we win this game. We make the kick, we win this game. We score that touchdown, we win this game. There are three different opportunities for the Carolina Panthers to win this game. Now, here's Teddy Bridgewater on Monday talking about the same event. Happened on that play and what you could have done differently. And um, Again, is this your, does it, you feel like this was your best effort? You know, honestly, man, when – when the game is over and it's a game that, you know, you, you really wanted to win and a game that you should have won, you know, you, you walk away from that game frustrated. And, you know, as the as the play was going on, like I said, we had a great play call. And, you know, I think if we would have been able to just kill a play and get to the run or something like that, we may have given our chance a better chance to score or if not still ran some more time off the clock. But like I said in the press conference yesterday, it's just a throw that I got to make. Um, yeah, we schemed the pass play up for a certain look, and they didn't give us that look. But, you know, when DJ uh, pops open behind those linebackers, uh, I just got to make that throw. Um, so I, I'm aware of that, man. You know, when, when I'm playing well. It's like somebody had a meeting. Is there, this team plays well. 
I think. So, uh, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Correct me if I'm wrong here. With, you know, just to... so, correct me if I'm wrong here. Correct me if I'm wrong here, right? Instead of saying first, one, I should have made the throw, he's still saying, he still hasn't no, said we it. should have checked to a fucking run play. Like, dude, yes, what did you he said that about? on Sunday. He said that on Sunday, and then he doubled down on it on dude, that Monday. Dude, everything that you – so, look, 704-bound Charlotte said it perfect in here earlier. The, the, the guy plays scared. He has absolutely no gusto to him. That guy has no bravado to put the ball into the end zone when it matters like a boss. He had DJ Moore open, and instead of him regretting that he missed the throw – he wishes that the play would have come in faster so that way he could have put the ball in the hand of his So he could have checked out of it. That's so and, yes, and yes. Instead of his own self. Listen, Bridgewater continues to show you who he is. The man has no spine. He is not a leader. And I'm sorry, but this whole game and the press conference has done nothing to ingratiate himself at a time when no, no one really believes that he's a, an answer at the quarterback position. The, the he has people, done nothing but harm himself. The people defending Teddy now are only defending Teddy because they've been a Teddy defender up to right. this point. And they don't you know, stick and and they don't. Word. You know, yep. it's just the reality of it. That's what you're mm-hmm. having right now. That the fact is, when I hear Teddy say that, what I am hearing is him saying, no matter what the, the coaches called. He was always going to check out of it into a run. He didn't care. Like it sounded like he was like, if it came in a little earlier, I would have had time to check out. So not only is he blaming the coaches for not getting the play into him quicker, he's now blaming the coaches for calling the wrong call. The That's wrong what play. I, I. This is what I when I put in my tweet. I put is he is he throwing shade? Is he being accountable or not being accountable? Or is he just scared? And go and see the tweet in the stinger. I wrote that. Uh, so I like, was it 704 that said that too? I agree with you. Is that there There, there was another time this season where we got a big play. I don't know if it was on a fourth down. It was early in the season or some sort of touchdown. And it was like the best play of the game. And it was Teddy checking into a run. Like an audible yeah. into a run. <laughs> now, here's the thing is, so he said they we drew, it was a great play. These were his words. It was a great play. We drew it up for a certain look. We didn't get that look, so I would have checked into a run, and we could have scored a touchdown. What kind of bad look was it? What would the right look have been? And, I mean, I don't know what the, where the linebackers have to be and some different things. Maybe they just sat flat-footed and they didn't think we were going to pass it. Um, but what did they need to do for you to make that throw? Like, lay down? Yeah. Like, what exactly. is – I still don't know how it's not a good look. Not the right look. Not the right look. The look looked awesome to me as a guy had nobody around him and you had a game-winning opportunity. He just, again, I I think it shows you is that that's what he – We I called him concert Tea Party Teddy. Mm-hmm. Dude, we, uh, know, the, I just wanted to highlight a comment in our chat. Civil Pete says uh, Teddy might be low-key toxic. So yeah. maybe he has an error about him that just – It you know, feels maybe, that way. Yeah. And somebody yeah. somebody asked uh, in the chat, they say, does Teddy even have the locker room? Like, does he, is he lose – does he really have the locker room behind him? At this point in time, he is making his receivers work too hard for them to want him out on the field. Right. And getting them hurt. 
Yeah. Literally. Look, look. Now they're saying that DJ Moore might be able to play at Denver. Dude, how lucky is DJ Moore that he didn't rip his ACL in half? Hey, Teddy Bridgewater is sitting here looking at us right now. The reason why he's always smiling, no matter what, losing in a game time situation, like he got paid sixty million dollars. He's, he's saying, "I got sixty three million of your dollars. You ain't got mm-hmm. no backup plan." Teddy Bridgewater, like Sam Bradford, is a stripper quarterback. He's going to take your money and not give you what he promised you, or we let you what you're going to get. So even when everything yeah. is perfect around him. Mm-hmm. It, he, it's not even guaranteed that, that he'll deliver. And trust me, everything has to be perfect. He will never create on his own and mm-hmm. make a play where there isn't a play to be made. It's I won't just, say it, never. It, there has been times, even on his scrambles, yeah. the fourth down runs, the dives, the flips. Not all enough that for it to matter. Not no, enough for it to, right. Not enough for it to be like, oh, dude, but tell you Bridgewater – we have a chance to win the football game. Teddy will make us right even when the defense made us wrong. Teddy Bridgewater just doesn't have that. Um, he doesn't have it. And I'm hoping now that it's apparent to everyone. We've been on this forever. Okay, so us here at this C3 podcast, man, we're allowed to pat ourselves on the back because we've been saying this forever, and we've taken a lot of shit for it also. But now people are finally starting to see Wow, you know what? They were right. Teddy Bridgewater has never shown us any indication that he's a franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. Can I? Can I? Uh, like one thing I'll mention too, Cody, because you had a really long Twitter mention with uh, with I can't remember. It was another podcast, I think. And their their excuse for Teddy, especially with the DJ pass, was it was a miscommunication. But in the same stream, was talking about how uh, PJ Walker threw two interceptions in the red zone. Which, by the way, were miscommunications as well. Right. Um, we still wanted to blame PJ for those, but mm-hmm. when it comes to Teddy Bridgewater, when he had one interception that was not a miscommunication, just a really bad decision to throw into quadruple coverage and mm-hmm. try to get his uh, running back's head taken off, um, and the other one was just a very bad miss that had there been a defender actually playing man on DJ would have been an interception. You know, uh, yeah. just the reality of it. <laughs> Anyway, it's just it's just funny because the You're defenses right. on Teddy are the exact things they were criticizing PJ on. Which and and PJ was in his first year and his first start uh, in the in the league. Yes, it may have been against the Detroit Lions. We were playing the Vikings to this go round, and our defense scored more than our offense did. Mm-hmm. That that's yeah. a problem. Yeah. Hey, real fast, we have forty four people watching. Twenty seven thumbs up. Hit the thumbs up, baby. Share. Share with all your Panther friends that you want to be able to come in here and talk Panther football. That's what we do, man. We're for the fans, by the fans. Hey, man, even if you dislike the video, as long as you're interacting, dude, you hitting the button, that's more than Teddy Bridgewater can do. So, man, <laughs> go ahead and hit those buttons, baby. I don't yeah. want this to be a um, – well, actually, I don't care what it is, what it becomes. I want – some of the people that listen to podcasts or people that are upset, you know, people that want us to be more friendly to Teddy or whatever it may be, more supportive, they tend to think that they always lump the voice of this show into one, right? It's like, it's just like, this podcast says this. Well, first, there are four people on this show that have different opinions. There's hundreds of people that interact with the podcast each week that all have nuanced opinions 
often they overlap. Yes. And look, have I have, have I been a giant Teddy Bridgewater fan from the beginning? I mean, like I'm going to cheer for the dude, but I see what I see and I've been telling you he's been conservative. This is what Teddy we've what we've said is we we he is what we thought he was, right? We said these types of things. And in this case, is that I think people are going to be like, "You're look, you're breaking him over the coals for every single thing." I'm not. We're just. I'm just listening to the press conferences at this point. You know, I'm not yeah. going to you and saying, "Oh man, Teddy lost this game for us." Is that these are questions that were asked from the reporters that are saying, yeah. "What happened here?" And these are the responses. And this, you get Teddy, who I think gave an answer. That um, and and he does that, and he's done this all season. In some ways, it's good. It's coach speak, it's player speak, or whatever. It's podium speak. We got to get better. We got to perform better. We got to do this. And when you say the wheeze, the wheeze, the wheeze, the wheeze, it does. It takes individuals out of it. You don't throw your players under the bus. But he pointed out that the play call's not in fast enough. He pointed. He never pointed a finger back at himself. Here's Matt no. Rule though on why on where the blame lies in this game. Before you play that, before okay. you play just press play. Sorry, right. I'm back. All right, what yeah, do I need to before? I know I fucked you up, but um, the reason I, I wanted to say Matt Rule in that first clip that you played did what a leader is supposed to do. Listen, if I'm the head coach and you're my quarterback and you're fucking up, I'm gonna pull you aside when it matters, when it's just me and you, when it's me and you and the coaches, and I'm going to hold you accountable. But I'm also, as the head coach, not going to go up on the podium and throw you under the bus and say, yeah, our quarterback lost it for us. Now, some coaches do that. Bruce Arians has kind of been doing that with Tom Brady. He's been doing people. that. Yeah, yeah, really. But, I mean, yeah. listen, Matt Rule, as a first-year head coach, is trying to ingratiate himself with not only Teddy Bridgewater, but with the entire football team. And you don't want a first-year head coach throwing players under the bus as soon as they make a mistake. It's on him. And he has to do what a leader is supposed to do, and he did that. So I give Matt Rule credit for answering in the way that he did. Uh, this is what, and and to be fair uh, to some of the past comments, Cody, that's what I was mentioning when Joe Brady said that Teddy Bridgewater's a franchise quarterback. Like, what else is he supposed to say? You know, what I'm saying, like, of course, yeah. that's what you're supposed to say. I do believe this. Right. All right, here is um, Matt Rule again on why where the blame lies. This one sting any worse? Just kind of how the how the game ended and how it ended compared to, the, to some of the other one possession losses. No, I mean, I think they all, they all bother you the same. I mean, this one frustrates me because I've always been very honest with the guys when they came in and thought, hey, you know, hey, we didn't play hard enough. We didn't play well enough. We didn't do this. We, that, that one, I feel like all the things we're talking about here is it falls back on us as a staff. So, um, you know, we've got to put the ball in the end zone there at the end and end the game, or we've got to stop them, or we've got to, you know, make that field goal. And so, you know, in that game, we missed the field. You know, we had a field goal blocked. We missed that field goal. I mean, just just not good enough all around. So, um, you know, instead of pointing fingers, I'd rather just you know point the thumb back at me and just say, hey, that's not good enough. Falls back. I mean, that's not like coach speak. I really like. I'm I'm disappointed in myself and my staff tonight. Wow, that's a dare I say, and I would love to hear Greg's opinion on this. I mean, the man did mention coach speak. 
I mean, dare I say, that's a little bit of self-awareness, is oh, it not? Okay, so hold on, so hold on. So he 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 brings up, <clears throat> we could have done this, this is what happened, this is what happened, this is what happened, but I'm not going to mention that, and I'm not going to blame that. I'm going to point the finger at me, the thumb back at me, even though you just mentioned all that. And then, I mean, if I, if I lie to you, Cody, and then I say, well, it's not a lie. Does, or, does that mean it's not a lie? But what did he say? I don't know what I mean. Like, I mean say, well, this is not this is not just coach speak. We we could have changed this. We had a field goal blocked. We missed this field goal. We didn't tackle here and this and that. And but I'm not going to mention that. It's, it, I'm going to point the finger back well, at me. But you, you just mentioned appeared, that. Like, right, but did. but but <laughs> it appears as though all those things that he's mentioning, he is taking the blame for those all things. Yeah, right. because if, if you don't point the finger back at him, said, that's no, the me no, and my staff, saying. he's saying that there are three. There, there were three opportunities to execute, and when all three opportunities fail, it can't just be on the players. There is an accountability that has to be taken place by him, and that's what I think he's bringing those three things up for. It'd be different if he said, you know, we should have just scored that touchdown, and things would have been better. It wouldn't have mattered where the defense did it. Then at that point in time, he is pointing fingers right at Teddy Bridgewater. Mm -hmm. But what I think he's saying here and what I hear, and this is what we all do as human beings, is we listen to one thing and we hear something completely different. You know, uh, Greg's opinion on Matt Rule is going to have him hear what he's just explained. My opinion on Matt Rule is going to have me hear. He's got three things that he realizes as a staff they need to fix. And if it's all three things that went wrong, which they did, that can't just be like that's what we talked about last year. If you have everybody missing tackles, then it's not on the players; it's on the coaching. You know, but, same thing here. I think, and this is what that? he's saying. Yes, here. Well, let, let's listen to it did, one did, more did time. Did he say that specifically? Yeah. Uh, yes, he says that, and we'll listen to it one more time. And this okay. is only a clip. To there's, you know, I mean, obviously more to these answers. Uh, where is my damn scene? Here we go. Rule. All right, here we go. Here's rule one more time. This one sting any worse? Just kind of how the how the game ended and how it ended compared to, the, to some of the other one possession losses. No, I mean I think they all they all bother you the same. I and mean, this one frustrates me because I've always been very honest with the guys when they came in and thought, hey, you know, hey, we didn't play hard enough, we didn't play well enough, we didn't do this. We, that, that one, I feel like all the things we're talking about here is it falls back on us as a snap. So. Um, you know, we've got to put the ball in the end zone there at the end and end the game or we've got to stop them or we've got to, you know, make that field goal. And so, you know, in that game, we missed the field, you know, we had a field goal blocked. We missed that field goal. I mean, just, just not good enough all around. So, um, you know, instead of pointing fingers, I'd rather just, you know, point the thumb back at me and just say, Hey, that's not good enough. Falls back. I mean, that's not like coach because I really like, I'm, I'm disappointed in myself and my staff tonight. Right, and that's Meaning what I that hear. If his yeah. players, oh, okay. if his player, if his players didn't perform, it is on him that his players did not rise to the occasion. I think yeah, that he's even saying something different. Okay. I think he's even saying different. something uh, even a little bit further than that. And I think this is what CK was alluding to: is that there were mm-hmm. too many opportunities to win that didn't yeah. go right for it to just be one thing. And when yeah. it's that many things it starts at the top, right? Is okay. that like, is that we weren't either, we didn't practice well enough. And he's saying this is I would usually come in and say, you guys didn't bring enough energy if that's what I truly believed. But this was almost, um, it was defense. Look, the defense couldn't stop these guys at the end of the game at all. Like in the fourth quarter, couldn't stop anything. 
right? So right. it's on the defense, and it's on snow, and it's on the players there, and it's on the set, right? That's on, and, and that's on rule. And then the offense couldn't score at all today. That's on Brady and rule and the players, right? And so I do, okay. I do like that. I just hear a different message there um, than. <laughs> what some of the things that we were hearing from Teddy Bridgewater. And then my favorite part of this podcast, uh, of the post game. And this is why I could listen to rule all day long. This is rule. It's a bad, it's a, the press conference guy says we only got two questions left time for two more questions. This is rules response. All right, guys, only time for two more. So let's go to Jonathan Alexander and then close up with Joe first. This feels like the type of day I should answer all the questions. So if anybody has questions, I'm going to answer them. Man, how do you, oh, that's bad how, do you how do you learn how to win? Okay. Hold on. Hold on. We got to do it again. I, I don't, uh, <laughs> this I don't is awesome. I mean, this is awesome. respectfully, I don't know that that's like, Come on. I just think like you have to just go make one or two more plays. You know what I mean, Jonathan? Like we just got to do one or two things better. And I think that again today, like you always have to go right, back and figure out where the issues time. are. And that was, I, I got to get better at restarting these videos. Hey guys, only time for two more. So let's go to Jonathan Alexander and then close up with Joe first. This feels like the type of day I should answer all the questions. So if anybody has questions, I'm going to answer them. Man, how okay. do you, I respect, I respect how, you how do you that. learn how to win? I, I, I don't uh, I don't know about that question. I mean, I, I don't know that that's like. What do you say? What was it? I just think I like you have to just go make one or two yeah, more plays. So you know listen, I mean? It's like, the best gotta... part of the whole part of the so whole. Answer your question, but then the first one, I don't know. Hey guys, only time for two more. Let's go to Jonathan Alexander and then close up with Joe first. This feels like the type of day I should answer all the questions. So if anybody has questions, I'm going to answer them. Matt, how do you? I'm just curious. How you? How do you learn how to win? I, uh, I, I don't. Uh, I don't know about that question. I mean, I respect that. I don't know that that's like, I just think like you have to just go make he one goes or two more on plays. And he, and this, I like, I like rule a lot in his press conference. I could listen to him all day. One of the things I really like about him is that he remembers people's names. I know that's a small thing, but that's a big deal for a reporter. If you remember, you know, it's like, oh, uh, yeah. Hey, Jonathan. And yeah. uh, that's a new reporter for the observer. He will ask them to clarify their questions. I like that. Instead of letting them kind of bait you into saying something, he'll be like, what do you really mean by that? And then he'll ask. So they they were trying to bait him into saying is about Christian McCaffrey. Is he worth it? Or have you realized missing him with nine games how much he's worth? And he was like, "Well, what do you mean by that worth?" Like, and he and he followed up on them. So I like that, which means I think what he's doing is is he knows that he wants to know what you're asking him rather than what you th he thinks you're asking him. So I like that. Yeah. And then the third thing I do like in this moment, even though that was just funny that he did that. I don't know about that question. How do you learn not to win? Is that like I mean he. You know, he didn't really have a good he didn't have a good answer for it. And then he goes on to respectfully say, look, is I'm not trying to demean the question. I just look at it a little differently. And he said uh later on, he was he was asked today, Monday, about his you know, why did he feel like he could he'd say, I'll answer all the questions. And he said, Look, like, you know, uh you guys got jobs to do. We have to sit up here, you know, and my, and part of my job is to and to to kind of speak to the fan base into this. I thought it was a cool moment. I thought it was a cool moment. Like I feel like today is one of the days 
that I'll answer questions till you don't got anymore. Yeah. Hmm. Except I'd for like that it. one. I mean, I, I, I didn't hear that uh, until until you played it. Um, I love that about him, man. Listen, I, uh, as I said, even before this season, it was going to be really hard for Matt Rule or Joe Brady or Phil Snow to really get me in my emotions about them, good or bad. I mean, I'm just not going to, you know, uh, cut the heads off of coaches. One, during their first year in the NFL, everyone's brand new. And to do it during COVID, do all these crazy protocols and, and, and not having to have the amount of time necessary before the season. I mean, it is less than ideal circumstances to walk into. Mm-hmm. Yet I have all these instances of Matt Rule doing things that I feel like a leader should be doing. And, you know, uh, Tyler Lovato, he's in a chat room. He says, do you guys not miss missed opportunities? And let mm-hmm. me tell you what, hell no, brother. I sure don't. Um, listen, I know Matt Rule still has to earn a lot of fans' faith and trust. I have confidence that he'll be able to do that. And listen, man, I'm liking our new head coach. I really do feel like a lot of people are starting to take notice. Regardless of what they think about Bridgewater, people are starting to look at Carolina as a legitimate football team to watch the next few years because of what Matt Rule has done this season. Can we can we assume this coaching staff is mad at Teddy Bridgewater? <sighs> I mean, how about, listen, how about, listen, um, the reason I say that. Disappointed. Disappointed. There we go. I, I like that answer better. Um, I think they are disappointed because the reality is they saw exactly what we saw and they heard exactly what we heard. And most of the people that I've seen react to the Teddy Bridgewater interview um, to react to Matt Rule's interview, there's a clear separation of opinion. Matt Rule is a better person and a better coach and a better NFL professional than Teddy Bridgewater. And Teddy Bridgewater is has a lack of accountability. And honestly, more so than like Cam Newton, every time he had a bad game, he said it was on him. Right? On every single on, time. Every time. Every time. You know, and even when everybody was crushing him for saying he was the, he was more of a running back than he was a quarterback, when he had the towel over his head, he took accountability for a lot of things, even when it may not even have been his fault. Teddy Bridgewater has yet to take accountability for anything that was his fault. By the way, yes, Cam Newton's still yes, doing it, uh, even though he yes, led. I mean, his stats were not impressive, like Carl has, Carl Van has told me multiple times. But Cam Newton, even uh, after uh, leading a game-winning drive for the Patriots, was still seen apologizing to uh, um, to Josh McDaniels after, even though he put him in a position to win. So, I, I mean, that, I, that's what a leader does. That's can what I say a this? Does. And it's going to be a bit hey, controversial. About, uh, we could have we, we be could have kept Cam and paid did. less for a quarterback to do the exact same thing that Teddy Bridgewater. Right, right. Again, man. Without a three-year contract. Yeah, it goes back to the organization that decided to pay these players specifically over the pay or the players that they chose not to pay and extend. So it's all connected, man. Cody, y'all talking about that brings me back to your point you were making a moment ago about how you see people looking at Carolina as a legitimate football team. But based on what we've lost more games than last year. Well, we've we're lost. Sitting here talk- we're sitting here talking about how the coaching staff and in the, in the front office has made horrible decisions. Like, what are people looking at us as a potential 
legit football team about? Because right now we're not. But it's all the stuff that we've said. We're a young football team with brand new head coaches, with a guy who clearly isn't a franchise quarterback, and yet we've still managed to win games that we were not supposed to. Like that means really be in games. Four games is not really. Yeah, well, first we shouldn't have out of the realm we of really, being one of the worst in the league, you know. Yeah, we thought we were going to be two and fourteen. A lot of us, you were the one uh, saying that we're going to be seven. Hey, and, or eight and if games. we win six, then we'll be right in between what I thought and what y'all thought. And I'm going to win. I'm winning the bet right four, now. The other so, thing, though, I think it doesn't have to be. I think one thing is we look competent, man. We've been in these games. We had three opportunities to win that game. We and, and that's a team that has a quarterback that's getting paid eight, just as much as anybody in the world. They've had their coach in place for several okay. years. Um, we have we went toe to toe with the champs, with the Chiefs. We um, have we went toe to toe with the Saints. We have been in these games and far more prepared than we should be. Now I want to say this is that as you, and I want to go back to what CK brought up. Are the coaches? upset i say with teddy bridgewater i said disappointed and i don't think they're disappointed with him as a person i don't think they're disappointed with him as a player i think that if matt rule was going to give us an honest answer to that question ck i think he would say i was disappointed he would say i'm disappointed in the type of response teddy gave here is uh and hopefully you can i was trying to find this i did not have time to clip it up but i did find it Here's Matt Rule in response to that very question about Teddy taking more accountability today. He did not hear it. This is the way the press conference worked. They were conference calls, so these guys weren't on at the same time. It was Teddy Bridgewater in the media, and then a five-minute break, and then Matt Rule and the media. Matt Rule did not get to hear what Teddy said. Here's his response to a question by Darren Gant. himself being accountable. How important is it for the quarterback to be the guy leading that charge and talking that way after a game like last night? Well, I just think it sets a culture of accountability for all of us. I mean, that's really what all of us have to do. You know, I, I walked into the, I walked into the press conference and, and walked into the locker room of the team at the press conference. I said, you know, we, we lost that game uh, as a head coach. We lost that game as assistant coaches. Um, you, you say that because that's how you feel and you believe it's right. Then, then you know, the great teams, the the offensive line says, wait a minute, no, no, I could have done this, this, this. The linebacker says, wait a minute, coach, I could have done this, this, this. And everybody everybody uh, takes accountability for what they could have done better and you grow as a team. So uh, I didn't hear what Teddy said, but if he did, um, you know, then that, that to me is what leadership is. Leadership is not leading from the back. It's leading from the front and, um, you know, uh, you lead from the front, you know, when you're out front, you take the most bullets, but, um, um, you also, you know, you also know that there's people behind you. And so, um, you know, uh, I just think that that's, that's what we're trying to build a organization, a franchise where everyone feels responsible for winning. Everyone takes accountability. We enjoy the wins together. We suffer through the losses together and we uh, win a championship eventually together. Little tonal difference there to me and Teddy Bridgewater. A lot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I notice a big difference, and mm-hmm. I think it's noticeable to, to everyone listening. And again, that makes me happy. It makes me happy that someone um uh like Matt Rule is saying the things that I want to hear said 
in the future for the Carolina Panthers. Whereas Teddy Bridgewater, dude, if, even if he was saying all the right things, like I don't want him to be around as a quarterback. A lot of fans don't. So him saying the wrong thing, like it's just adding more fuel to the fire for me and others who are like, Okay, well, now we have another reason not to like your ass, and we want to move on from you. Well, that's so. been the thing with Teddy for me, and this is why I said the game, and I thought this was – if I had one good point in the post-game show, I thought it was that Teddy really didn't play any differently than he always plays, mm-hmm. except for that the completion percentage wasn't there. There was mm-hmm. still the lack of deadliness in the end zone. There was the inability – to you know really just put up points at times and Teddy usually all the things that he does well is doesn't turn the ball over gets the ball out quick and is pretty accurate when when he doesn't do what he's best at then it really shows what type of quarterback he is and that's kind of to follow on your point Cody is him not being the steady Teddy even in the press conference. Just because he didn't say it with uh, frustration or with an attitude or something doesn't mean that, like, I just thought his strength was not to be that guy. Yeah, I yeah. mean. Interesting. His None of his strengths are, are really uh, enough to warrant him either being paid that money or him playing at the position that – he plays as a starter. So, all right. So, I don't know, man. I feel like we knew all this before the season started. And let's keep... we're. Go ahead. Yeah, I think. Well, I'll yeah. say. Okay. All, all right. right. Y'all go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I have a guy. I have a guy at work who who is a huge Panthers fan. He's he's just started listening to our show. A uh, really cool guy, man. And he has a uh, he has an opinion on Teddy. And he he loves Teddy. Uh, he he understands everybody's gripes with and everything. And he makes a fair argument about it. And you know, he's talking about how he loves Teddy because he loves the quarterback that has it up here and has the, has the the smarts and the know-how to do what he's doing. And while I agree, I think Teddy, that's where Teddy excels over what I would say compared to a Kyle Allen. It doesn't really matter if the production doesn't, you know, like if, if you're football smart, that's great. I can be on the field and be football smart. That doesn't mean I can throw the ball down the field or push the ball down the field. And, and that opens up your offense. And that that's, that's what we're, you know, Cody, you were talking about before. P.J. Walker may not be a better quarterback, but he has a higher ceiling because he has the ability to do more things. Teddy just – I mean, the, the, Chris defends this guy. This guy defends Teddy very well with what he's saying, and I understand what he's saying, but just I don't understand. I'm just tired of dealing with settling for almost being good. You know? Yeah. Somebody I said understand. in the chat room earlier, it feels like we've been almost good for about three or four years. Every year we have about five or six games that we almost win. You know, it, it, I'm just tired of that, man. I, I'm, I'm ready to move on. I'm, I'm ready, ready to be a better team. Well, let's move on you to know? a different subject. We flogged the Teddy Bridgewater discussion into the ground this year so far. Um, Panthers placed a rookie defensive end, Uter Grossmatos, on the reserve COVID list. He's really been starting to say, you know, he's he's really starting to show out a little bit, I feel like, and starting to come into his own. He struggled with some injury this year a little bit, nicked up at one point. Second player this season on the COVID protocol 
for the Carolina Panthers. The first was Rasul Douglas. It does say teams may not disclose whether a player has tested positive for COVID or whether he is quarantining because of close exposure to someone who has tested positive. I'm guessing that we, with since the buys in here, that's going to give maybe him enough time to get back if he can demonstrate that he's either asymptomatic and get a clean test or maybe even just has enough time to pull out the whole quarantine. Be close, right? Be close. I don't know if he could get a full two weeks in if that's the mandate. Uh, it helps that we have the buy. I mean, from everything I've seen from college players to NFL players, um, you know, it, uh, I think it might be like four or five days and you have to have, I think, two negative tests in that time period, I think. So, I mean, he certainly has time. Um, and I think the Denver's offensive line is kind of depleted right now anyway. But all of their COVID quarterbacks should be coming back. So, they'll be uh, – They'll be back in time to burn our line back in core and corners. I saw Ted. I saw this. Where did it go? Um, Robbie Anderson was the fastest, second fastest player in the NFL on Sunday. Ran 21 miles an hour on that play. He's sneaky fast, dude. He doesn't even look like he's running fast. I think yeah. all those people didn't think there was a chance he had it to the end zone. They were like, oh, shit, this dude is fast. Um so there's that in the news, and that's it. Is there anything else newsworthy to talk about when it comes to the Carolina Panthers? There um, it, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, if you guys haven't uh, gone and looked at uh, the NFL or Good Morning uh, mm-hmm. Sun, or Good Morning Football, um, Kay Adams has uh, has made her declaration that Jeremy Chin is the uh, defensive rookie of the year, and it's not even close. I agree. But what's just funny is that nobody else agrees. I went and watched. I was right before the game. The day before the game, uh, I I went and looked today, and there is nothing mentioning him being the favorite outside of Carolina Panthers and then Kay Adams. Um, And I went and looked, and people are sitting there talking about how uh, quarterbacks have have been having a field day against Chen, um, and he allows uh, over 100 QBR. I'm like, yeah, I don't. PFF has been down on him, on him too, man. Yeah, and and w- with reality is where he plays so versatile positions. I don't think, like, I have yet to see every time there's a big play. It's I've yet to see it be on Chin, except for maybe a few times. You know, yeah, I, I, I see Chin yeah. always there to wrap, like, to close on the, like, close out the the play, and he's never like. It's rare that I see him on the uh, wrong side of a play. So I feel like that's even inaccurate. But uh, nonetheless, they had him number five on the list of def- defensive rookies of the year. They had number one, the cornerback out of uh, out of Indianapolis, who has, I think, two interceptions or something like that, and like 24 tackles. I'm sitting here thinking, Jeremy Chen has like Jeremy 80 Chen tackles did that this Sunday. year. <laughs> what is it? You know, Jeremy D- Chen did that on Sunday, basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And he has more tackles and he does more. Uh, and like he has not been embarrassed. Like the Colts got embarrassed mm-hmm. against the Titans. So I don't know. I just call me crazy, but um, I don't know about that other guy. But I to, to sit there and say, like in that same article, he's he's shown some promise, but he has quarterbacks have been having a field day against Jeremy Chen. 
I'm like, articles like that are the reason that he wouldn't get defensive rookie of the year because people aren't actually watching his tape. Yeah. Tony, do you want to do some cat calls before I do my GM list? Yeah, yeah, we're going to go to that. I I wanted to bring up this is um, everybody's probably going to vote, say, Chase Young. Chase Young, first number, what, number two overall? He's good, but I don't think that he's been like. Four and a half sacks. That's what he's got. Four and a half sacks. I mean, that's good. Jeremy Chen's got 14 points. Like yeah, that, that um, game alone is the only is the only time it's ever been done in the history of the football, right? I mean, back back, is yep. that back-to-back? And then it hasn't been done just in general since 1943, I believe it was, something like that that Greg brought up. So mm-hmm. uh, the number's 252-228-5098. Let's your voice be heard on the C3 Panthers podcast, and uh, let's get into these cat calls. So what are your thoughts on cat calling? Yeah, it's pretty you shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think catcalling makes the person feel? It feels good, like... I've been a Panthers fan my whole life. I'm, you know, I'm only 25, so I'm on the younger side. But God fucking damn it, it's it's been a rough life as a football fan. This team just always, always finds a way to fucking disappoint. But God damn it, I don't. It's it's just getting hard to watch at this point. I mean, it's entertaining, I guess. Like the games are close, we're competitive, but. Just watching us every fucking Sunday find a way for Teddy to fuck us up is getting real fucking old. And I, I always say, you know, I love this team. They're my guys. And they are. And I still think, you know, we probably have a bright future. But I'm just waiting for them to do something, man. Turn this around. I'm sick and tired of watching this bullshit. I've watched it my whole goddamn life with the exception of... Uh, 2015 pretty much but anyway uh let's just hope they get better man hope something happens this offseason all right fellas i appreciate what you do have a good one have patience my friend we're here for you get on the couch vent your frustrations and remember this you could be a browns fan you could be a jags fan you could be a falcons fan um, that's just <laughs> as disheartening. Imagine having good players and really sucking. We knew you could be a fan of any of the teams in the NFC East. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Uh, and hey. just and speaking of a team, we the team we blanked in the Detroit Lions two weeks ago. There's a real story, a sad story. If you're a fan, they have only made the playoffs like one time. In 30 years, it feels like they have. We are sort of blessed. I know it's hard at this moment. We've had some down years since 20, 2018, 2019, and this mm-hmm. rebuild year it is difficult. But at least the games are watchable, man. Right, and that's where I am excited about this. Uh, this squad two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. Hey guys, uh, Josh from Mass. Couldn't call myself enough yesterday to make a reasonable call, and I feel like uh, it's time for a reasonable one. Well, at least some of the time it is, but anyway. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm glad to see a lot of people starting to come around and really just grasp what Teddy is. Okay. You know, and I get it. People want to put stuff on Joe Brady, whatever. Uh, I think there's reasons for Joe Brady calling the plays that he calls. And I think the, re- the reality is, is unfortunately he believes that this team has got it to run the offense yeah. that he's calling. The pieces aren't there. Well, most of the pieces are there. The quarterback is not. He's calling plays as if, as if he's got, you know, a, a top-shelf quarterback back there, and he doesn't. You know, I don't. I don't know if that's maybe him trying to show Matt Rule. Hey, I I know we. You know, this this kid ran a similar system to what I've done last year in Nola, but he ain't it. He's not Drew Brees. He's not Matt Ryan. He's not Cam Newton. He's not. He's not even. He's not even Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's just not. He's a backup. That's that's what it is. Okay. And yet the DJ Moore injury, I agree with damn near everybody who's got a clue. That's on Teddy. That's on Teddy. I'm sorry. You can't just throw the ball that badly and leave it on the receiver to make up the difference. Like, that's, it's your job as a quarterback is to put the ball where the receiver and the receiver only can get it. Um, and that just didn't happen. That, that just wasn't the case. Um, we have a, we have a, situation where defense puts up 14 points and the offense doesn't play complimentary football with that. You go, well, you know, the defense let up that score at the end of the game. Yeah, but they basically blanked them for, for the middle half of the game. The more than the middle half of the game, they, they did a pretty good job. Um, especially for, for what they're working with. And to see them start coming back around, and I get it. Bill Snow's defense at times looks suspect, but I again, I think it's a situation where he's calling plays for the defense that he wants to have as far as personnel versus the defense that he does have. Um, and it's ugly at times, but I think it's the only real way you get a picture of what's wrong with the team. A lot of, lot of love for Josh from Mass in the uh, chat room, so much so Josh called back again. It's Josh again. Sorry about that. I was kind of rudely interrupted. Rather <laughs> my work phone. phone. Somebody looking to get at me about my car's extended warranty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Welcome to life. Anyways, I think that's a lot of what's going on. I think our coordinators and our coaching staff are doing things as if they already have the team um, built to run what they want to run. And while it's ugly right now, uh, I think that's kind of a way to figure out where you stand and what you need because there's not there's not really another way to figure out what you what you're gonna need out of the draft or free agency or what have you and you know uh, there's some pretty obvious things that we need um, and there's some of them that absolutely need to be addressed in the draft and not in free agency because it's ungodly money to address some of those positions um and one of them we've already spent a stupid amount of money addressing and the answer is not the answer isn't there not even with 21 million dollars each year um so i think that's really what's what's going on we've uh we've seen some promise from some players and that's 
great. And, you know, it's been said before, we don't need great players at every level all over the place. You need a couple of greats with guys, you know, along with some guys who just don't suck. Really is what it is. You need guys who can play fundamental football, and then you need a couple standouts. And that's really, really it. And if you can get beyond that, great, because that just moves the needle even more. But we're not at that point. We're we're not even an average team um, as far as our record, but you look at the talent and the, the flashes that are happening here and there, and they are plentiful. We do get to see some bright spots every week, it seems. Um, you know, and the games are by and large interesting and, and competitive. Um, but I think it's it's – it's already been more than we could have asked for, um, and there's just one more glaring spot, and I hope I, I pray that it gets addressed. I really do, and we all know what I'm talking about. It's, it's too it's too much money. It's too much money for the performance that we're getting. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even sorry. I don't know why I'm apologizing. Probably because there's a bunch of Teddy Homers who are going, "This guy's wrong," and they're going to jump on me. They're here on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever. But it's like, let it go. The man is. I don't even think it's the amount of money. Is that at this point it's just performance and um, ceiling and uh, and ability overall? What's the silver lining, guys, so far in this season? And not the silver lining of what we saw and what we're surprised from. What's the silver lining going forward for this team? My thoughts on this are: I think that Sunday potentially, and maybe if we continue to get some of this similar play and some of these similar challenges that we saw with this offense um, going forward. I think the silver lining is that maybe Joe Brady and the coaching staff and Marty Herney or whoever the GM is in the future with the owner are seeing that um, the what we're lacking on this team is explosiveness on offense at the quarterback position and really explosiveness, uh, the ability to pressure the quarterback on defense consistently. So, like, to me, I'm starting to get to the point where those are the two most important things to fix going forward and then always throw in there the offensive line. Maybe they're learning that Greg Little isn't the the answer or they've already learned that. What's the silver lining coming out of these struggles, guys? For me, personally, the silver lining is I feel like I only got the coaches right. And I really do feel that way. Um, and I, I like what I see from this small sample size of Matt Rule and Joe Brady and Phil Snow, man. I know people want to bitch at Phil Snow. I argue that he has done um, a, a smash-up job for what he's working with on the defensive side of the football. This is by far the worst linebacking core that the Panthers have ever had. Um, it's a really bad defensive backfield filled with a bunch of guys that we really didn't even intend to be starters this year. And yet, as I said earlier, in the face of all of that, we have been competitive. There have been like, what, six or seven games where it's only been like one score or less. That Every we, game except that, for that, one has been one that, score. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it, it's all of those, man. We brought, we brought the, Both the Super Bowl them. champion Kansas City Chiefs I mean, we gave them a fight, man. We gave them all they could handle, and they're probably still right now the best team in football. Yeah. I mean, we, we, this team oh, has geez, fight. Man. This team has fight. And in my opinion, um, that's the 
silver lining. On top of it also showing everyone that the decision makers making the decisions to pay quarterbacks are not doing a good job. And the quarterback that we have is also not doing a good job. So, mm -hmm. yeah, there's a lot of silver lining, in my opinion. I have a, I have a, I feel like a good one that isn't immediate, but we are much closer to being a complete team than we should be. We are yeah. like yeah. right now, there are mainly, let's say, four key pieces that we need to have a quality player at. And and honestly, four players, I think. You need to get a good linebacker, a good cornerback, and then uh, a good offensive line, uh, you know, left tackle. You know, if you can shore up at least part of both sides of the line, I think that helps tremendously. Um, because you're not putting so much pressure on one side, it allows there to be some things that, that get shored up a little bit. But And then the most important is a quarterback. Now... I think you can do three of those things uh, in the draft, and that is a line, you know, linebacker, uh, maybe a good cornerback, and the quarterback. Mm -hmm. um, I think you need to go to the open market for uh, for the offensive line, just because I don't think we're going to get a quality offensive lineman <clears throat> uh, at at because we're not we're going to go quarterback in the first. We have to. I don't see any other scenario where we don't if we're picking as high as we are right now. I think I it takes I, two. I, I think the one problem to too with. I don't know where the music's coming from. Um, my, my, I got it. Hang on. <laughs> um, I think the one thing with offensive line, I agree with you, um, CK, is that um, like if we went and got a top fleet left tackle next year, like in the in the draft, if we got the number one left tackle, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be good enough, quick enough to to immediately make us. Five or six games better. Oh, but you don't, you don't know that. You don't. It know would that. help, you but no, I, I can promise you this: is go back and look at the history of left tackles taken in the top five picks, and one or two. It takes a. It's there's even an adjustment period for them. Yeah, That's but all you're I'm still saying. doing there this is, thing where like you're judging it based off of what was like players now. Well, sometimes I'm a historian, homie, dude. I'm a historian. I'm going to look back and try to find evidence based on that. And I'm just simply saying this is that rarely does that guy come in and be the number one left tackle in the league. Is he going to mm -hmm. be an asset to you in a couple of years or even by the end of the season? Is he going to be an upgrade immediately? Certainly. But I do yeah. think this is that going and getting a a left tackle, like say you got the top free agent left tackle. Say there was a good one. They've already been through that period in their career. I'm just saying that this you can only let you can only raise up so many pups at one time. You need to have a couple of dogs in mm -hmm. with you right away. True. That's There's yeah. a, that's absolutely true. However, the Buccaneers just drafted Tristan Riffs, and that guy is one good. of the best tackles in football right fucking now, man. Like, I, yeah. this is what this is when I evaluate talent. I, and listen, uh, this is my tried and true stance. I never evaluate a player based on what another man who came before him couldn't do. Because now I'm not talking about that football player anymore. I'm talking about Jake Matthews or some other asshole that failed for a myriad of different reasons. Either he went to the wrong team or 
you know, whatever. There could be a number of, of different things that leads to a player being a boom or a bust early in the draft. The point being, you take the player that's going to make you a better football team right now. And if, if you're able to build a, a young, powerful, dynamic offensive line that can run block, that can pull block, that can pass protect, I mean, you're, you're I'm not opposed to it. I'm not to opposed to it. For a yeah, I'm not, I'm not either. I'm not opposed to it. I'm just saying this is that I don't know how if it's as plug and play. The point that CK brought up right. is that we are four pieces away, mm-hmm. right, is from right. being really good. And I do think that what I like to – I think that the Panthers need a left tackle for the future, and I'm 100%. But my question is this. If you got four – if you're are you that excited about the left tackle that you would pick that guy over your Zach Wilson boy? Well, no. Okay, not, then, yeah. then you agree <laughs> a little bit to my I know, point. I know, but, that's not, but that's not what I'm talking about, though. So if you don't have a quarterback, it doesn't matter if this right. guy is the next uh, uh, fucking uh, Tyron Smith for Dallas. Like It doesn't matter. Right, if you right. don't have your quarterback, then you're dead on arrival. However, yeah, if we didn't, if if we didn't have to worry about a quarterback, yeah, based on what I've seen, Panay Sewell, is as much of a lock on the offensive line as uh, Quentin Nelson was coming out of Notre Dame. And look at what he's done for the Colts. Yeah. I've been trying to get us to draft uh, offensive line forever. Yeah, Greg, I wanted to at least say this with regard to uh, the quarterback. So if we have an opportunity to draft a quarterback that is considered a top-10 quarterback in the draft this year, and we do not draft that quarterback, and we go forward believing Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the answer, we will be setting back our, our – we possibly could be setting back our organization at least five or six years. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like, here's the reality. Because if we – let's say we do add the op- offensive line, and then we add some good pieces on defense. Well, guess what? If your quarterback is still a game manager, we might still be – we might be able to be a positive team, 9-7, and 10-6 maybe, but we're not going to get to the chip. We're not going to get to the Super Bowl with that. And the problem with that is we're not going to be able to draft a quarterback that's a high-quality quarterback at the draft positions that we'd be talking about. Now, it's not impossible. I mean, you see people such as Patrick Mahomes and, and, and Aaron Rodgers and things like that go later in the draft, even Lamar Jackson, for instance. But it's still, at, the, at its core, you, there is just, it's unlikely to be able to get a franchise quarterback that is, is, is it's almost a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get one that's going to last you, ten, you know, an entire decade. Well, and another thing is you have to ask yourself, how many times as an organization do you intend to be picking in the top 10? Do oh, Panther oh, fans oh, want oh, to go <laughs> But okay, but this is what I'm saying though. Like, if you're trying to build an upward trajectory, if you have a top 10 pick, then why do you want to waste time and not draft a quarterback? Like, especially in, in that top 10, if you have a potential game changer at the quarterback position that you can draft, why not take them when you're in a position to do so? Like, why would you want to have to either move up? or hope that one of the lesser quarterbacks falls into your hands and ends up being the next Russell Wilson or Tom Brady or whatever. Like The chances of that happening are slim to none. Damn. I would much rather we used our high-end pick on a high-end quarterback while we have the chance. Mm-hmm. 
Another point about that, Cody, too, is that I don't agree with that statement entirely in a vacuum. And what I'm, I mean, in a vacuum alone, that statement, um, you know, there's some things I could disagree. And what I mean by that is that I do think there's plenty of opportunities where you you have a top ten pick and you say you think you got a guy at quarterback that could be the answer. You know, you you've invested at a quarterback and he might be suffering with injury and you're you know hoping he's going to come back. So I think there are some situations where that's not true. Or, or maybe not 100% a lot, but in accordance and agreement with your statement, when you take into account some of the past history of what the team and the organization has done and where they haven't invested, is like, it's not like we've invested in the quarterback over and over and over, and now we're like, oh, well, we're here again. Now we're going to do it again. No, that's not the point. And I would, and what I mean by that is that we've had plenty of opportunities. We've had two uh, drafts in the last four years that we've been in the top ten, and we we didn't invest in an offensive line in those pick picks or quarterback. So at some point, you're going to have to make the investment, right? Like you mm-hmm. just at some point, yeah. the investment has to come, and that's where I do mm-hmm. think it lends in this situation to exactly where your your point makes a ton of sense. The other question I have for you, a follow-up question, and we got to keep going through the calls, but with that lack of investment at that position, the lack of investment that we've had in the offensive line in high-end picks over the last decade, in retrospect, does that make picks like um, Christian McCaffrey – um, DJ Moore, l- more questionable, or maybe not questionable. I don't know how what I'm trying to phrase this is that like you're in the top six or seven, you got the seventh pick and you picked a running back when you have an offensive line that's been a shit show for years. Um, you know, you, uh, you have a shit show offensive line and you go and pick um, a quarter, uh, a, a wide receiver in DJ Moore, and I like DJ Moore. Like, I mean, it's not this is not a referendum as mm-hmm. him as a player, but that is raw. Would that's taken helped, some time. More to get the offensive. When line, are yeah. we going to invest in the offensive line? And mm-hmm. when are we going to? At some point, is it going to be too late? I've mm-hmm. been wanting to do it for years. I mean, telling you, you know. Me and you were both chanting, build that wall. And no, we weren't talking about the orange dude in the White House. We were talking about <laughs> trying to build a fucking wall around Cam Newton. And uh, Dave Gettleman and Marty Herney both failed to do so. The reason why I'm even uh, uh, more hesitant going forward is because I have seen Marty Herney recently make two di- well. For one, he made one terrible decision with a premium offensive line pick. But now we have rumors that he might be about to make another bad move on our offensive line. And it just, for, listen, I don't know when you want me to jump into this, but Marty Herney has to go for What's the, the rumor? future of oh. our franchise. Ooh. Before before you get to that, before we go to the next call, I want to get my silver lining in because it, it, it kind of ties into that, Cody. Yeah. My, my silver lining this year is, the fact that we drafted all defensive players and our defense looks like it's starting to click. It looks like Jeremy Chin, Gross Matos are going to work out. Derek Brown's not 
bad. He's not what I expected him to be or hope for him to be, but hopefully he can develop into that, but he's not bad. Brian Burns is looking good. we got a young, good defense, all drafted by Marty Herney. So there you go, Cody. Hey, I'm, 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 I'm waiting for Tony to give me the signal to unleash the hounds because right, I, I have my I have my ammo. I'm fucking ready. Y'all just let me know when I need to shoot my shots. We're gonna get I, to I'm it. Curious, soon. What's the rumor? Oh yeah, tell him about the rumor. Um. So shout out to the sports nut on Twitter. He's been doing a good job at uh, keeping me in the loop on this. Um, apparently, someone asked the Roaring Riot. And again, this is all just rumors. So, you know, this is nothing confirmed. Um, but the Roaring Riot members uh, seem to believe that the uh, there are no plans to, to extend Moten. to re-sign Taylor Moten. And oh, apparently, wow. uh, WFNZ reached out uh, to Roaring Riot and pretty much confirm that to them so by the way uh this is the third week in a row that uh um taylor moton did not allow a, a pressure single pressure i'll say that one more time if we have any hearing disabled people in our chat room taylor moton did not give up a pressure for three weeks in a row and our piece of shit general manager doesn't seem to think there's value in that building a football team going forward. Do, I don't do, even know do how it's possible to not think that that has to be done. You're going to not have a left tackle going for Okung. Well, he hasn't even played, right. right? So you're working these other guys that have been – you know, just cycling in Dennis Daly being a fifth or a sixth round pick or something. Um, got a, a bad penalty. I thought that it was a bad call. I thought they were tangled up, and that's why he fell on that guy in that game. But you're losing Okung, who you brought in and who has been starting when healthy. And you're trying to tell me, like, how could we possibly go into the season next year with that many questions? And forcing an additional question when it comes to not signing Taylor Moten, uh, I think if you you look at what this uh, offensive line has done, is that has I don't know if they got a sack on Teddy Bridgewater yesterday on Sunday. Um, they have been competent, and Taylor Moten has been a standout, or at least according to all the metrics. The numbers two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. We're gonna get through this next. Uh, calls. It's two three-minute calls back-to-back. And then when these calls are done, I'm going to have Cody unleash the hounds and tell us why Oh yeah, we need to fire Marty Herney. Not only why we should fire him, but who we should hire. And he has a list, guys. Five people coming down the pipe of people that he thinks could be the next GM to get it right in Carolina. 252-228-5098. Hold on hey to your butt. I called in on Sunday and uh, I had a passionate rant about the game. Y'all hyped me up, said it was one of the best calls y'all have had, which assured me that I'm not <laughs> fucking insane. All right. Now, this one's going to be a little more calm, but I think a little more controversial. All right. I'm tired of the PJ Walker disrespect. Okay. Everybody says, oh, we need to tank for a quarterback. We need to tank for a quarterback. What has PJ Walker shown you that? He doesn't deserve to charge uh, uh, to be a starting quarterback. I mean, in the XFL, he, he showed he showed he had a great arm. He can throw down the field. 
He can fucking throw on the run. He's, he can even get fucking rushing yards. I mean, he's already been in the system for a year. You don't know how Luke Wilson's going to fucking work in the system this year. And, um, hold on, guys. <laughs> he says he has a brain fart for 20 or 30 seconds, but he, okay. he gets it together. Well, Matt Rule goes in college, and fucking, I don't see why we need, I don't see why this guy doesn't deserve a shot, okay? Luke Wilson, I, what, uh, this is a legitimate question because I haven't seen Luke Wilson. What's Zach. one thing that Luke Wilson can do that P.J. Walker hasn't shown us he can do? Every single mistake that P.J. Walker made on Sunday against the Lions was fixable from coaching, experience, and practice. I mean, he has all the intangibles to be a, a franchise quarterback, and nobody seems to think he has a shot. Nobody wants to give him a chance. I mean, what better time to start him than right now? We play the, the, the football team. We play the Packers, the Saints, and somebody else. We play good teams at the end of the season. We can really get a good grasp on if this guy's the future. And if he plays well enough to where, hey, let's take a chance on this guy, we could use that first rounder to finally solidify that left tackle position that we've been looking for since Jordan Gross left. I mean, I'm all for spending a first rounder on an offensive lineman if he's that dude. If he's that dude, I'm down for it. I mean, I just don't know why he deserves a shot. And I'm not hating on Luke Wilson, but I think P.J. Walker could be the future of this team. I believe that since I started watching it, since they drafted him. I believe that when I first started watching him, he was that dude, all right? He's got a shot to be a legitimate quarterback, and I'm tired of the disrespect, okay? All right. Marty Harney, all right? Oh, hold on, one more thing. Fucking... PJ and PJ Walker can develop a fucking relationship with the number one receiver, unlike goddamn Telly Bridgewater. He did it with Cam Phillips, and he did it in D- with DJ Moore against the Detroit Lions. All right, moving on. Fucking Marty Herney. <sighs> okay. I love sure. this. Call. He uh, yeah, he's like he's. I, I feel uh, I feel the passion, dude. Um, we're going to the next call, but let's address the first point real quick. The first point is the PJ Walker disrespect. Uh, yeah, this is a tough question for me, right? Yeah. It's a tough, a tough question for me because I, you know, you don't want to over glow and uh, you know get too excited about something just because of a single game. The XFL, the XFL performances were more more impressive than anything. Is that he was having these these games where people were calling little Patrick Mahomes of the XFL. He is throwing from these odd arm angles, baseball style, on the run, downfield. They had this very explosive offense. I think he was with the Houston Roughnecks or something Roughnecks or something like that. Um, Renegades or something. Yeah, and I might be saying, I might be talking AAF or AFL or whatever the fuck it was at this point. I've already put it in my rear view mirror. I think the one thing is, is I like the idea of PJ Walker having an opportunity and a real shot. That's what I like is a real shot. But I don't know how many times people believe there are time. There's a legitimate and adequate time to give someone a real shot. And what I mean by that is, do you wait a whole season and you kind of bank on, well, we could really maybe go with uh, with PJ next year 
And I think he brought this point up, and I know, Cody, you were leading the charge on this. That's why if that is something you believe could be, if you believe P.J. Walker could be a a a serviceable or better than serviceable starter in the NFL, we need to find that out, what his capability, and see how he improves week to week now. Not a whole mm-hmm. season of it and then back to square one. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, uh, so one shout out to Civil Peach 881 in the chat room. Thank you for the call, man. Um, and dude, I hear you, man. And Tony just said it. I was leading the charge. Listen, I don't know that PJ Walker is our future because I haven't seen enough evidence for it. But one of the things that I definitely wanted was to see more evidence. I mean, listen, as someone that has been avidly on the team tank to get a quarterback. Even I said, you know what? Fuck it, dude. Let's see what kind of talent we have in P.J. Walker. He's obviously more willing to take attempts down the field and throw the football and try and hit D.J. Moore in stride and hit Curtis Samuel in the back of the end zone. He obviously has the willingness to do that. But, you know, we're shackled by a $21 million a year uh, quarterback that we signed thinking he was going to be the answer. So, the, the sad truth of the matter is, Peach, P.J. Walker probably isn't going to have a chance mm-hmm. to prove that he is a franchise quarterback. And that's disappointing, man. I'm disappointed mm-hmm. with you on that because I felt that P.J. deserved a chance. He deserved a chance to at least show the football team that he had something, that we might have been able to make a, a late playoff push with a more dynamic quarterback under center. But that isn't what happened. So and now that we're not going to have enough time to evaluate him, it's hard for me to then endorse him in the future and say that, oh, well, PJ will be our answer next year. I don't know that. I wanted to see him play more, and we're not going to see that. I like this pay Okay. I like this pay Tay hashtag that 4-4 Rose saying pay Tay. Pay Taylor Moten. Yeah. Craig, Greg, what are you saying? I'll say, how sick is it going to make you whenever uh, we get rid of PJ Walker and he goes to like Jacksonville or somewhere like that and just lights it up, and we're stuck with Teddy Bridgewater? <laughs> it would be the most. <laughs> yeah. It would be. It would not be a surprise. Yeah, it would not they, be a surprise. They give us a third round pick for PJ Walker, and we blow it on a you know wide receiver. That well, never there does is anything. still opportunity to see. Um, P, what PJ has. There's going to be two opportunities. There's one is yep. there's still the remainder of the season and there could be an injury to Teddy Bridgewater or after this bye week and there is significant, if there's significant regression again, like people brought up and the things that are people are saying on the C3 Panthers podcast in the postgame show are becoming narratives, and I'm not saying we are making these statements, but the callers, the conversations we're have, having in the show, right in the immediate aftermath, are becoming real living narratives among Panther Nation. All of a sudden, yep. people are now talking about, and not that they weren't, but I just find it, it it's a sort of validation for our fan base, for the people in the chat room, when they are saying things like, well, it looks like Teddy Bridgewater's regressed. And you hear Cody say that on the podcast in the moment, right? So it's not just 
uh, I like I like seeing some of those things. So if you see after the bye week, guys, that continued the problems on offense, and we go through another loss. There's three games left in the season. There is a chance where this team could start to say, you know what, let's start to give PJ more of a shot to learn more about how he responds to in-game action. Or maybe they send a message to Teddy Bridgewater that way. So there's one opportunity to get a little bit more evidence, Cody. The other opportunity is this, and it's going to be one you don't like. And that is if this team continues to believe that Teddy Bridgewater would pay them, he gives us the best opportunity to build around at this moment, then that means PJ's going to have an opportunity next year. (laughs) he will he will whether it be injury or performance or something so that gives that one last shot but this is the part of the nfl that's the gruesome this is the gruesome part or this the the dirty underbelly of how the system works and it's just reality guys like demir bird pj walker these kind of ultimately walk-on players have such limited chances to prove their worth that it's it's almost an uh, uh, a herculean task so not only do they ever get any practice or anybody really believes in them because they weren't drafted or this and that but the only time they do get a chance is when all the odds are stacked against them so it'll be a great story if it does happen it's just one of those things that, man, when they don't mark you as a starting quarterback to coming out of college, it's a hard battle to overcome. And there's really been only, like, one dude who's ever done it, and that's Kurt Warner. Uh, all mm-hmm. right, let's get the back end of that call. All right, guys, now I'm in a rhythm. Now I'm ready to roll. Rough start to the call, but I'm back. <laughs> Fucking Marty Herney, all right? Here's the thing. is Yes, you take with the good, with the bad. I can with feel drafting. it now. He's drafted Chenzen Burton. He's drafted Greer Thomas and some other slops, Okay. But I don't want this man signing Burns and Chin to their franchise deals. Does nobody remember what this man was fired for in 2012? He put us in cap hell, and there's no reason why he wouldn't do it again. I mean, they should have fired him last before they hired Matt Rule, but it is what it is now. They need to get rid of him this year, or it's only going to get worse. I mean, if you don't believe that he's going to make the same contract mistakes, just look at Teddy Bridgewater. Three years, $60 million. Everybody's like, oh, that's such a great deal. How good does that fucking deal look now, okay? He was an okay gap guy. You know, we were kind of at the end of Ron Rivera, at the beginning of that rule. I could understand he was kind of a gap guy, but it's time to move on. And by the way, CK, I would not die on this hill. I heard you say yesterday, I guess you might have been playing devil's advocate, but you said – Marty Herney, you, you know, they said, what makes Marty Herney a good gene? Why would he be a good pick? And you said, well, think of every franchise player the Panthers have ever picked, and Marty Herney picked that picked that person. And that's a fucking stupid argument. Love I like show, that argument. But I like the argument, too. It's stupid. Okay, Sorry. It's just by default. That's like saying love this, okay. Hold on, hold on. Let's see what he says. says. As quarterback with the Bears, just because he's the greatest quarterback in Bears history. Just because he's the greatest quarterback in Bears history doesn't mean he doesn't suck, all right? It just means that the Bears suck at picking GMs. The same way the Panthers fucking suck at picking GMs. Dave Gettleman and Marty Harney have accounted for 18 years of this team's GM experience, and it's time to get some fresh blood in there, okay? Uh, I heard something about time management the other day. Um, 
I really don't. I'm really not that worried. The whole team's young. I mean, we saw it with the O line and the D line. Those take the longest to develop of any position. And with time, they've gotten better and better. And I think you have to remember this coaching staff is young. We just put them together. We're still getting the system together. We're still getting our identity. And I really think this team's going to come together in the next few years. And I think the time management issues will come with time and experience. And I'm not yeah. really too worried about that. But it definitely does need to be fixed. Oh. Also, <laughs> I have been keeping on Zach Kerr for a while. And not because I'm a sharp, but because fucking... Whew. I saw this video of him with him and Brian Burns, and he seems like a great team guy. And I've been changing it for a bit, and I'm so fucking glad that he's good because he really seems like a great guy, great personality, and I'm so fucking glad. Well, possibly. He might not be trash. We'll see. FAO Bob had a few games last year where we... Uh, there's 51 seconds, but I think that left, but I think that's a good time. Um, right now um, is that, um, go ahead, CK, respond to that. So, and because there's a lot, obviously, I'll just say this real quick. Um, Marty Herney, yes, every franchise, every player, uh, that has been a franchise player in the history of the Panthers has been drafted by Marty Herney. I understand your mindset of that's a stupid argument because you just because he played most of these players played for a sucky team doesn't mean they're the greatest player to play at that position. I think that that argument is actually not great either, right? Because we know Luke is probably one of the best to ever play the game. Julius is probably one of the best to ever play the game. Steve Smith is probably one of the best to ever play the game. Cam Newton, probably one of the best quarterbacks that's ever played the not game. Not probably was mindset. they were. Yeah. You know, all of these players that have been cornerstones, Jordan Gross, all of these people have been some of the best to ever play the game. Mm -hmm. Just because they've been on the Panthers doesn't mean they've been bad players just looking better on a bad team. They've went up against the best players in the NFL and beaten them. You know, Mm -hmm. that's the part that I would like. That's why I think, you know, we've got to give some credit. Now, I understand the idea of bringing in new blood, right? You know, if you're tired of it, you know, if we had ripped off the Band-Aid and gotten rid of Herney right when, you know, Tepper fired Ron Rivera and just moved on, just got that got away from right. him. That should have been the move. That I would understand, right? But Because then you're just putting all your chips on one table. But right now, we have a good coaching staff. And by getting any of the other GMs that you're talking about, you have a known commodity in, in Matt Rule who's been known to build the team up. Right. He has built this team just and and listen to me here, because we want to sit here and remember back in the time when Dave Gettleman was the GM. We went to three back to back NFC South titles and we thought Dave Gettleman was the best on the planet. I love and then I love guess how many guess how long it took for us to change our mind on that. Not long. But guess what? That 2015 team was built up by Marty Herney. That 2007, whatever we went, 2003 team was built up by Marty Herney. Those both went to the Super Bowl and mm-hmm. arguably lost because of coaching in a lot of those and, and just poor execution. So the reality is Marty Herney has been known to build a Super Bowl caliber team. Problem is we haven't had the coaching staff to maintain it over a long period of time. So Marty, Marty Herney. Get him. Marty Herney has built a roster that has went to the Super Bowl one time in his life, and it hasn't hasn't been this decade. 
Two no, times. he had, he had the pieces, but we're also not going to pretend like David Gettleman didn't do anything in the time that he was here. Okay, David who contributed more? Early. Hold on, we're talking about Marty Herney right now, and and le- so listen, I'm going to jump in. Before, hey, can I All just mention is- something about CK before we give you the mic forever? About CK's <laughs> comments, I think there's two points about this discussion that CK's brought up and that the caller brought up is that there's two arguments when it comes to Mar it's like this is that just because if you've only had one piece of pussy your whole life you can't say is that it might be naive to say the best nuts I ever had in my whole life were because this pussy was great. Of course it was because they're the only nuts you ever got. But at the same time that doesn't mean that it's not great. <laughs> so that my that's my point I think that's the argument that is going on here a little bit. And then the other thing is is that um, when it comes to Dave Gettleman, and and this is I'm turning back over to you guys, is that I, I what we kind of find out with a with a GM is it's kind of like a president. It's more about what happened before you uh, is reflective of what's going on in that time than while you're actually in office. I think Dave Gettleman's best uh, team was actually 2013. Because he brought in a bunch of cheap ass parts on defense, and we had this badass defense with two rookies starting at defensive tackle that year, and I think that was his best team. I think though um, that you're right, right. Marty Herney definitely had that 2005 season, and kind of mixed in 2015. All right, the time is here, CK. Why? Sh- why is Marty Cody. Herney a bum? Yeah, Cody. Listen. I'm going to lay it out plainly for everyone why I have been saying forever that Marty Herney should have been fired when David Tepper was rebuilding this organization from the ground up, from the players, from the coaching staff, to the people in the front office. I agree with that. Here are some of the reasons why Marty Herney needs to be fired. He overplays payer, He overpays players at positions that aren't that important and even when he does pay them, they're not worth the contract that they sign. So let's dive into this. Five out of six of the highest paid players on the roster were paid by Marty recently and are vastly underperforming their contracts. This includes Teddy Bridgewater at $21 million a year, which I don't have to say any more on. That's what our podcast is about every Tuesday night. Christian McCaffrey at $16 plus million a year who has barely seen the field this year, who has been plagued by injuries, who is at one of the most replaceable positions in football. And what was Marty Herney's MO the first time he was the general manager for the Panthers? Oh, that's right. Overpaying running backs. Okay, so then let's go forward even more. Shaq Thompson has not only not been able to fill the void that Luke left, he hasn't even been able to play up to his own normal performances. Our linebacking core is the worst that it has ever been. And at the time when we have needed Shaq Thompson the most, he has been invisible for a large part of this season. Um, another thing is that we traded away Trey Turner for Russell Okun. Now, you might say, well, hold on. Trey Turner wasn't doing all that hot when he was over here. Yeah, that's fine. But now you've created a position of need at guard, and you only have Russell 
for for another year or two, and he has barely been on the field for us. Free so cap now space we have, So now we yeah, have four positions of need on the offensive line, and on top of that, there are rumors now that he doesn't want to pay the only legitimate offensive lineman on our roster. What the hell are you even talking about, dude? Rumors, though. Let's move on to number two. No, 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 no. I wanted to. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay. I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. Let's move on to number two. Has demonstrated a history of missing top quarterbacks and offensive linemen in the draft. Okay. Outside of Cam Newton which I do not give him credit for. That was the first pick in the draft and the best quarterback in the draft. Hernan has drafted Will Greer, Jimmy Clausen, Tony Pike, Stephon LaForce. I don't even know. I don't even remember the last two dudes. And they weren't important. Jimmy Clausen was a bust. I don't need to remind y'all about Jimmy. And Will Greer has not even come close to sniffing the starting job here in Carolina when he had an opportunity to take over for Cam Newton, Kyle Allen, Teddy Bridgewater, P.J. Walker, and hasn't beat out a one of them. And you're going to tell me that this is the man you want picking the future of our franchise? Hell no. On top of that, the man drafted Amani Silatolu, Bruce Nelson, Jeff Ota, and Zachary Williams. Don't hate on with, Jeff Ota. With premium offensive line picks. And none of them have worked out. On top of that, let's jump on to something else. Greg Little, we moved up into the second round to draft Greg Little. All right, right now. He makes more money than Curtis Samuel, Jeremy Chen, Dante Jackson, and Taylor Moten. And how about that? Greg Little has been a healthy scratch for how many weeks in a row now? Russell Okun has not been able to play for us. And the man you moved up to draft is not a viable starter, and instead you're playing some third or fourth round guy that you might have picked up on waivers somewhere? Like, what this man has proven to not be able to hit on the most important positions when you're building a football team. On top of that, James Bradbury and Mario Addison are having career Years this year mm. at positions of need for the pa- that the Panthers don't have right now. So look, the man has never proven to consistently hit on his draft picks. He overpays the wrong players, lets the wrong players out the door, and from what we see is already a stepping stone to Matt Rule who wants to bring in every Baylor player, every Temple player that he's ever played for. The man is a doormat. He has nothing to offer the franchise. I have five candidates who we'll get into at some point who I feel would be far better for the Carolina Panthers 
than what Marty Herndon has been able to do for us. If he was not on the Panthers right now, how many other football teams would be calling that man? Hmm. None. Not hmm. one of them. Not one of them. In the chat room, put pound sign, fire Marty if you're on my side, dude. He needs to be fired, bro. And and, and here fired. you go. I, I, I want to counter some of those points, right? Because as you're saying this, I'm writing stuff down to, to, to kind of ask you. And, and you know, like I said, you 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 very well maybe you're better at this than I am. You're better at uh, talent analysis than I am. Uh, you're smarter in football, I would say, probably than I am. So, but how can you say that Taylor Moten, the rumor, first of all, which is how we're going to start out with, the rumor that okay. hasn't even made it to any kind of major sports network. So, right, give, yeah. so, so as soon as it makes it to a major sports network, then then talk to me about it being real. Uh, how can that be? Ta- how can that be all Marty Herney's fault? Isn't isn't Matt Rule the head coach of this team? Isn't he an offensive line guru? Like, like, how can that be? No, how can you blame, how can, how can you blame all of that? Yeah, he was an offensive line coach with the Giants. Yeah, that, that that's was why the big deal. Everybody's like, so oh, he's, he's an offensive line experience. coach. He's, he's actually coached yeah, every everything. That's group. what he did for the Giants. But, but, but my, my, my point is, how can you blame every- that all on Herney? You, you're telling me that Matt Rule has no say in that if it's true. And really all Marty Herney said is that he doesn't want to talk about it. has been making detrimental decisions for the Carolina Panthers Far longer than Matt Rule has. Okay. Far okay. longer. And, and, and but by the way, the, the most important thing that I'm trying to say here is that okay, if you want to nitpick some of the hits that he's made, fine. Yeah, Jeremy Chen is looking incredible. Like, I'm not trying to no, we're not way, you're nitpicking, but, bro, a little bit. And what I mean by bit. that no, is not, you gave that Jeff Otah slander. Nothing, there is nothing good that Marty Herney has done. That isn't easily replicatable by someone else, okay. younger and okay. better with player personnel. What Things that you? stuck out to me co- on Cody's analysis and his mind point will be short. Uh, Jeff Ota slander, not allowed. Man was a okay. beast, bro. Man was a fucking monster, and then an injury killed him. Uh, next. So- no, not it, so. It, it, Is that Bo Jackson? So? That's so? well, you can't say so to yeah, Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson was the greatest football player ever to live, but he didn't play a long career because injury derailed it. That doesn't mean he wasn't a good pick. You can't, like right. you said, you can't be handicapped by the past and this and that. No, that's not a double standard. Is that you can't allow in. And it is a bust because so, it hurts. So in, in that mindset, Luke Keekley was not a good pick because he didn't play for didn't play as long as he, he should have. He just, yeah, he and and Jeff Otah was a three hundred and twenty five pound man that got a foot injury. And the problem is, foot injuries for offensive linemen are terrible. And that's what's happened. I mean, that wasn't he didn't have a history, an injury history in the past. He came in there, and all of a sudden, our offense was road grade motherfuckers. He was awesome. Go back and watch it. You can't blame a bad pick because a guy ended up having an injury problem that he couldn't overcome. That would be saying that Bo Jackson was a bad pick. And Bo Jackson Mm -hmm. was the greatest football player to ever live, arguably. And he only played played like five or six years. That's the problem. The next Mm -hmm. thing I want to nitpick is this crap. Mario Addison having a career year? What? And Four sacks at 30-something years old? 21? Uh, what? He got four tackles for loss? Bum. 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 Who drafted Addison? 
He was a undrafted. He was a free agent. He's an undrafted free agent. He's actually so. Other than that, don't no Utah slander. The point is, if you want to name all of the picks that Marty Herney has hit on, and then space them out, and how few and far in between, with negative picks, as a platform as to why he should have a job, you can do that with almost any GM. There are that have good picks. But so, I have pointed out to you, not just on a drafting level, but on an organizational level, okay. that, that, that the, the people that, that he has hired as general manager, how about this? Didn't he also hire Ryan Vermillion? Wasn't Ryan Vermillion the team doctor that we want to bitch at all the time for mismanaging how they handle Cam Newton and look no the injuries? But that was another guy that was hired by him, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. He also general, technically the, hired Marty Herney. Yeah, I mean, general, hired Matt Rule. The general man. Mm. No, he didn't. Fucking David Tepper did. Then why oh, you can't use that same logic, and you can't assume that he hired everybody. Tepper. Right. <laughs> right. You can't assume he hired all the bad people, and it was only his fault. There is nothing that any of you are going to be able to say because you're not to, listening. It's, to make him want to to say something to prove that he is worth the future. At this position. I hear you. Well, listen, listen to this real quick. Hold on real quick, CK, because I'm going to try and get this one out. Luke Keekley getting injured and changing the game plan up of the offense, of the, of the defensive position and where we're going to go, you can't blame that on, on uh, Herney, okay? You can't say, well, he couldn't fill the hole with Shaq Thompson, who was supposed to fill the hole of Luke Keekley, maybe the greatest linebacker of all time, which, by the way, nobody's going to be able to fill just automatically with somebody on the team. So come on, man. You, you can't blame the loss of Luke Keekley and not being able to fill the hole on Herney. That's not his fault. It was an injury. He drafted He drafted the best linebacker possibly of all time. I'm blaming Marty Herney for, for paying him $13.6 million a year instead of paying Taylor Moten the money that he should have gotten last year at one of the no, most – No, 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 no. Chad was signed two years ago. Football. Hey. I'm talking about Taylor Moulton. The fact that we let James Bradbury go, and James Bradbury has been getting interceptions and has been lights out for the Giants. The fact that we have uh, we've uh, not that we paid Shaq Thompson all that money, and he hasn't barely done anything for us. He paid a running back the highest paid running back money. I'll, in football. I'll, I'll talk to you about. And, I, and I love Christian. But he hasn't done anything for us after getting paid all that money. Of injury, though. Every time he's been on the field, he's been the best right. running back in the no, NFL. No, no, no. Right. no. You learn your lessons. Let me he's let me defend this from D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart. Let's let's talk about this. Christian McCaffrey this year's cap hit seven point seven million. All right. Next year's cap hit twelve million. The year after that twelve million. And then guess what? We have an out of the contract at year three. And we can get out of it. The only time he makes $16 million is after we can have an out. So if he just bom- just bums out the next three years, he's out. We can get rid of him for Sounds a minimal like dead cap space. This was actually a very smart contract. If you look at it, it was an extension and not just an overwrite of his current contract. He's playing out his rookie contract, which is this year, his fourth year. Uh, and then next year would have been the fifth-year option. Instead of doing the fifth year, we're going with we gave him a five-year extension. And and from that point, and on average, even if he plays out the entire contract, he's on average making thirteen million a year. 
What you know, benefit does that do us right now when Mike Davis, an undrafted free agent, is playing like fucking Wolverine? No, bro. He had a couple of good games. And, and it, it doesn't matter. Running back is the, is the most easily replaceable position in football. And then how about this? Tony mentioned this earlier. Are we now looking at the DJ Moore pick a little bit differently in light of not having taken offensive linemen and stuff like that? Well, let's look at the Pittsburgh Steelers who never use first round or even second round draft picks on wide receivers. And their wide receiver core is damn near nothing but superstars. They've also got Ben Roth. They've also got a Hall of Fame quarterback throwing them the ball. So let's not let's not give all the credit to the coaching there, the the talent squad there. Because what happens to those to those Pittsburgh Steelers receivers when they leave Pittsburgh? Yeah, but those same general managers and 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 uh, scouts picked that quarterback didn't they that's that true but that's true so you, you pick you pick players to compliment him you pick a quarterback that allows you to not pick elite wide receivers i agree with i agree with game. cody on this point though is that it's not even it's not something against dj moore is that just the physical his physical traits create a certain ceiling for him like he cannot <laughs> yeah. be a transcendent wide receiver he just can't the Steve reality Smith of was that a pick though we went into that draft as the, that being our number one need. Mm-hmm. And every person can attest to that. We knew when that draft board started to dwindle down, it was going to be either Calvin Ridley or DJ Moore. And that was it. That was our number one need. We had no other wide receivers on the on the on the roster. Mm-hmm. None. But neither of those guys are Megatron type players. Uh, no, but no, he no. wasn't he wasn't drafted at a Megatron level. Like it yeah. wasn't like he was a top ten pick. Right. And by the way, I want to I want to clarify something here. I love Christian McCaffrey. I think he's the best running back in football. But the, the, the point is, a general manager, guys, is not supposed to think like a fan. I heard someone say in the chat room, uh, Scott Thomas, fan base would have rioted if we didn't sign CMC. And that's 100%. In an offseason where we lost Cam Newton, we lost Greg Olson, we lost Luke Kixley, we had to have some semblance of star power on this football team if we were going to sell tickets. I understand it from that point of view. What I am merely saying is that from a positional value, there is no reason to pay any running back that kind of money when they're so easily replaceable. And I love Christian. I think he's the best running back in football. But a general manager should not think with the mind of a fan. They Mm. should think with what builds a championship football team. And And, and that's, that's what I'm talking about. It doesn't also add any better for him that this is the same thing he did his first time. And Carolina overpaid D'Angelo Williams and then overpaid uh, Jonathan Stewart on top of it. You, you're you're pigeonholing him into something here, though, because you, you in one hand you're complaining about all the players he's let go of. Look at what they're doing with the other teams. Which, by the way, if he had these players, he was a, the reason the players came here, and they're blowing up other teams. That's not the GM. That's coaching. Okay, that's them going to better coaching and better teams and playing like a good player, like he scouted them to be is second of all if he were to let go of christian mccaffrey christian mccaffrey to go to any team just just name i don't care he would get paid and and, and tear it up wouldn't you be dragging herney through the coals right now for not resigning christian mccaffrey because that's what you're doing about the other players that are going out there and tearing it up right now is you you can't you can't blame him for saying well he shouldn't pay this talent this and then when talent leaves 
saying, oh, well, he should have kept them and paid them. Like, where's where's it? Marty you know, Herney's have Marty Herney's have four good drafts in his career. Four very good drafts. Five, if you count uh, tw- uh, this year, which I am reluctant to count at this point because I thought the 2015 draft uh, was going to be one of the greatest drafts in in Carolina history. At the end of 2015, it sure looked like that, and it didn't happen, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. So he was very successful early in his career, and then he kind of went into kind of uh, like a slump around 2008, 2009, where it just came off the rails. We've only seen limited Marty Herney. We've seen one good draft. If we give, if we all just give him credit for this draft and say this was a very good draft, and I don't even know if that's the case. Seven defensive players. That's tough. You know, we, we'll, time will tell. And twenty-seven. The DJ Moore um, draft was okay. Um, but you brought up Pittsburgh. You brought up Pittsburgh, and I am looking at their their drafts over just the last three. I know this is a short sample set, but I want to say this is the last good draft they had was in 2017. Um, the linebacker, uh, what's his name? Watt. Yeah, TJ Watt. Yeah, they got yeah. TJ Watt, JJ Juju. Yeah. They got James Connor. Uh, Josh Dobbs was, you know, a backup. At the, you know, so they got three really good players. This is who they got last year. Clay, Chase Claypool. He's doing right. Good. He's yeah. he's a bo- he's like, he's a he's a monster, right? But he's they've got uh, the yeah, they got a linebacker, Alex Highsmith. He has one interception, one sack. Um, I don't know how he's doing. It doesn't like he's not. Uh, Kevin Anthony McFarland Jr. Twenty attempts at rushing in the fourth round. Nothing. I mean, he's a nothing. Kevin Dotson, don't know who that is. Antoine Brooks Jr., Carlos Davis. Here's their draft last year, 2019. Devin Bush, Deontay Johnson, Justin Lane, Benny Snell, Zach Gentry. All bums, dude. I mean, like said, Deontay Johnson and Benny Snell. And what was the other name? Is, Say those first two names again. Bush, Bush. Devin Bush. All right. When I say bums, is that how about this? Is this draft a hit? Are you trying to tell me that this is first round pick Devin Bush linebacker, second round Deontay Johnson wide receiver, um, and he's had more rushing attempts than anything it looks like. He's had 108 receptions in two years, I guess. Um, Justin Lane, Benny Snell, Zach Gentry. I don't think that those are all of a sudden that you're saying that that's – as I said this on Sunday, if you're going to go through the best GMs and nitpick every single I'm not uh, nitpicking. I'm just saying is this, it's not a nitpick. I didn't even name Abe. I'm just saying, is this a great draft? That's it. That's I, all I'm asking. I, I, and I, here's, I, the, here's the year before. Uh, tell me if you, these names are awesome to you. Now, maybe they are. Terrell Edmonds. Now, look, they got, they're good on defense, so he plays safety. First-round pick, 28th pick yeah. safety. James Washington. Had uh, really, we thought James Washington was going to be a monster, but he has kind of gotten overshadowed now by Chase Claypool um, and uh, Mason Rudolph, um, Chico Chukamuma Okafuro, Marcus Allen, Jalen Samuels. What I'm just saying is this the one draft I think that they crushed was still four years ago, three years ago, over four years ago. 
That's it. That's what I'm saying. I'm not nitpicking. And that's unfair. That's an unfair criticism, Cody. That's not nitpicking. Because that's, that's what just... exactly what you're doing with uh, with uh, Marty Herney is nitpicking. Mm-hmm. Nitpicking Every all the bad are. stuff. You're not yeah. giving... I, I, no, I demonstrated on the drafting side of the football and on the free agent side of the football, building the team areas in which he is inept and does not do his job well. That's one of the things that I think is getting lost here. A general manager doesn't just evaluate talent. They even, they even control the uniform schedule. Like what uh, what logo goes at the middle of the yeah. field. Team doctors, they do all of this shit. It is a team builder. Okay. What, what I am saying did. is that he ha- is that Marty Herney has done nothing to put this team over the edge, uh, uh, other than uh, you know a, a few draft picks here and there that puts Every us year. over. He doesn't do. He doesn't do that for us. Okay. There is nothing that Marty Herney does that isn't repeatable with a, a new, younger, mm-hmm. more talented general manager. Now let's talk about he that. Hit on at least one person guaranteed every year at least one person every so year john schneider so does kevin Cole. exactly so why is he so john much worse? so why is he so much worse than them? he brought in Russell douglas who's been a great well, let's find let's find the common ground here there is common ground here the common ground that has come about is that on one hand marty herney has not been phenomenal but he's not been the worst right Man, that's the truth, is that he has not been the worst throughout his career, but he has not been phenomenal. Cody came in and said that his the what the argument is, if if that's the case, then I think we can find somebody else then at, at the very minimum could be that. So that's a common ground statement right there. So okay. now that we I, go I can, forward yeah. on that is who are these potential people and I have some questions because I got the list right here because I mm-hmm. gotta go. I, to, I, I got the list because yeah. uh, I I am the master of this podcast. Um, but I have some questions about some people that aren't on the list that I like to hear them talk. Uh, some I can just get enamored by the way people talk, and I like them. So I, I, let's go through. If Marty Herney is a bum, or at the very minimum just adequate at this point for mediocrity how do we get better at the gm position number one who is your number one pick person all right well i'm gonna well, well, so what i'm gonna do uh if you uh, i hope you have them in the right order that's what i, I want in do. the order you sent them all right, okay so at the last moment by the way but okay all right so i'm gonna go so i'm actually starting at number five oh. and i'm gonna go down and i'm gonna go down to number one I'm going to start at five and I'm going to count down to one. Okay. So the, to, to make sure we're on the same page here, our first candidate should be Jeff Ireland. Oh, that's number five then. Yeah. No, oh, that's okay. right. I'm, I'm watching. I'm watching. Okay. Okay. All right. So listen, Jeff Ireland is the assistant general manager for the New Orleans Saints and under the guidance of Mickey Loomis has thrived and is largely accredited for the defensive transformation the Saints had undergone in the draft the last four years. Y'all remember, the Saints were like seven and nine for three years in a row. And the people in the Saints organization credit this man with that incredible draft they had in 2017, which included Marshawn Lattimore, Ryan Ramchek, Marcus Williams, and Alvin Kamara. 
I mean, and I've even mentioned this on the podcast before, how much one fantastic draft can turn around your whole franchise. Like the New Orleans Saints are still riding high based off of that one draft that they had in 2017. Like that rewrote their future for them. So what was his name real quick? Jeff Ireland. He is the assistant general manager for the New Orleans Saints. Um, He is a very coveted member of their building, and they don't want to lose him. That should tell you something about this man. He has been pivotal to what the Saints have been able to build in our own division. Mm -hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Um, Just to go through with this, Ireland was originally – uh, he was a, I believe he was a GM before. Yes, and uh, that's why he was the Miami, Miami with Dolphins, Miami and C- and yeah. Seattle had. Well, uh, he was the general. Uh, sorry, he's a consultant of the draft at Seattle. He was sorry. the general manager for the Dolphins, mm-hmm. and apparently that didn't turn out too well. But since he has been back to New Orleans, apparently he's been lights out for them. That's why he's number five on my list. Uh, fun fact before. about Ireland is he's the guy that asked Des Bryant during a formal interview whether his Bryant's mother was a prostitute after uh, allegedly that? told Ireland that his dad was a pimp and that his mother worked for his father uh, in the family business. Bryant then uh, Des Bryant then denies that telling him this that his dad was a pimp. Ireland later apologized for the question. Just a fun fact. All right. Who's next on the list? Super fun fact. Um, all right, now this one I, I put on there um, largely because of the connection to our owner. Um, and the, the the reason why I don't have him higher on the list is because this man just signed an extension to, through 2021. So if we were to sign him, it wouldn't be until after next year, which is not ideal. Um, but we're going to talk about Kevin Colbert. Uh, he's the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, we know that David Tepper wants to do his best to build the Steelers version of the Panthers here in the South. Um, uh, Kevin Colbert has been with the Steelers since 2000 and has overseen two Super Bowl championship winning football teams. During his run in Pittsburgh, the Steelers uh, have also suffered just one losing season. And that was 2003. And, and listen, that kind of, um, consistency in and out, hiring coaches, hiring uh, scouts and doctors, and drafting well. I mean, that is the type of person that you want to build your franchise. And he's a part of one of the better um, teams in, in football. And he's been a name for a long time now. Um, I would love to see uh, uh, this man come to Carolina, but he would have been higher on my list. But we would have to wait until after 2021. All right. So next, next on the list, Mike Borgonzi. He has helped build the Kansas City Chiefs into a Super Bowl champion. He's a part of the front office that helped revamp that defense um, that finished seventh in both total points allowed and points allowed per game. This is after uh, the Chiefs' 2018 defense finished 24th and then moved on to uh, uh, move to be uh, the number ninth overall defense in the NFL in a span of two years' time. So uh, it's another one of those 
of uh, Kansas City names that has built a juggernaut. And now this is another man who has had his name um, um, mentioned a lot. And he will have a lot of job offers uh, at the end of this year. All right. Yeah. And did, did you yeah. recognize uh, any of these names? Uh, um, uh, Jeff Ireland, I recognize the name. That's I know I, Ireland, yeah. Well, and I want to say yeah. this is what I like um, uh, and what I think about um, – even with Marty Herney, to be honest, I think his second go around has been better in a way. Right. Now, I don't know if that I think it may be in the management of the larger picture has been better um, in that case. So I I do like the idea of a guy having a second go, not because you feel like it's the experience, but sometimes that exp- you've been there before. So I like that idea, and he's really uh, been very effective and, like you said, essential in New Orleans. A lot, a lot of people have a lot of good things to say about him in the NFL circles. Uh, the other yeah. guys, no, I don't know. Um, all right, yeah. next okay. on the list. Yeah, next on the list is Adam Peters. And Adam Peters um, has been pivotal to what the 49ers have built um, recently with that incredible defense. And John Lynch hired Peters in 2017 to be the team's vice president of player personnel, a job that he still holds to this day. Now, this might burn a little, but you might understand why I like him, okay? He spent eight years in Denver from 2009 to 2016, starting off as a regional scout and eventually rising to the position of director of college scouting. He not only helped construct two AFC championship teams with the Broncos um, that included a Super Bowl championship squad in 2015, but he also built this uh, Super Bowl contending uh, uh, NFC champion 49ers a year ago. Um, This is a guy whose name has constantly been building. Um, So many San Francisco fans say that he has been pivotal to John Lynch's evaluation process of bringing in players and and what they want to do. And personally, I love their draft. That's another football team. When you look at John Lynch and the, the players that they draft and look at what they've been able to do, even in spite of all the injuries that football team has had, Dude, I mean, they draft well. They draft very well. And uh, I, I'm another example of a young, a, a younger, dynamic general manager that we could build the the future of this football team around. Um, very highly respected name in the NFL right now. All right, mm-hmm. and your number one, very exciting. my number one is none other than Dan Morgan. I would be all right with that, baby. Dan Morgan. Okay. Just to see him back at the Panthers. Yeah. And look, this is a homecoming. So I want to, I want to read a little bit. I wish Dan Morgan would have been picked by Marty Herney, but he was picked in the draft right before Marty Herney was the GM, but Marty was with the organization. Hmm. So in 2010, um, uh, he was uh, awarded the director of pro personnel in Seattle. And he was a part of the drafts that brought in Bruce Irvin, Bobby Wagner, and KJ Wright and helped build that dynamic Legion of Boom defense. On top of that, for the past two years, he has been the director of player personnel in Buffalo. 
and has helped turn around the Buffalo Bills to be probably the, the favorite to win the AFC East this year. Mm-hmm. On top of that, there's a guy by the name of Luke Kickley, who is in our building right now as a scout. Who better to have in front of, of that man other than a vision of his future? A yeah. man who played linebacker for the Panthers, knows film, knows how to evaluate talent, and I mean, he will be the person that will you know, instantly fit into our culture. He was drafted by us, and he has turned around two football teams and built and helped build them into a formidable defense in their division. I would love Dan Morgan to come back to Carolina. Um, I think that would be perfect for us. Cody, I think I, you know, I'm taking notes on all five of your guys as we're going through here. And while I don't think that we need to get rid of Herney, these arguments are valid. And I can agree with you on three of those five for sure. Uh, Dan Morgan, obviously, for the same reasons you said. Uh, Adam Peters would be my choice of everybody you just said, just based on the fact that he was with the Pats from 03 to 08, which was their big success years. Sure. And then with the Broncos from 09 to 16, which was their big success years. I think it's probably counts for, what, five Super Bowls? Yeah. That amount of time. So I, I, I could get behind that. And I could get behind um, uh, Kevin Colbert, Steelers, because uh, just a track history of success. However, Mike Borgonzi and uh, and Jeff Ireland, nah, dude, you cherry-picked one of the good years they've had or the last two good years they've had out of the 18 they've been in the NFL and had you know 16 horrible years based on their future and cherry-picked the two good ones and said they're they're a good cause. I don't think they would be good for that. I'm, I'm looking at uh, – you know, he was with this. Uh, Jeff Ireland was with the Saints for two, the two years from 2015 to 17 for that draft. They were nine, seven and nine both those years. So, but, I mean, yeah, but like a lot good? of the drafting show he, stuff doesn't show up right away, even though. Well, but, uh, and then the other thing is, is that Jeff Ireland does have a pedigree that links back to uh, Bill Parcell, which yeah, is the, that's pretty cool. But I, I think the real question for all of these guys. And really, the determination, um, and I think that um, one of the reasons that people have been on this podcast, I know CK and myself, and I think Greg too a little bit, and I don't know specifically Greg's position entirely on Marty Herney, but that the idea is that what's going to be important for the next GM is not only their ability um, to be a good GM, um, or even a great GM, but really much of that will be determined by their ability to work with Matt Rule and David Tepper. David Tepper, obviously, yeah. first, but Matt Rule is the guy, right? Is Matt Rule is, is you're not going to get a GM who's going to get an eight year contract. I promise mm-hmm. you that. And so Here's- I think out of that list or any candidate, the number one question that's going to be on Tepper's mind is how will this guy fit with Matt Rule? That so my my biggest the reason the part that I can agree with you on Cody is I think Marty Herney should have been fired when they fired Ron Rivera. I agree. Like that, I do. Now granted we might not have got Jeremy Chin or anything like that, but that should have happened then. It should not happen a year into a pretty successful rebuild because what you risk is you have right now Marty Herney who it looks like he's on an upswing. If you look at the trajectory and what she's going, he is moving up 
as far as quality. Like if you look at where he started before the 2020 season, before the 2020 draft, he was not he was not listed as one of the higher tier GMs. After 2020 draft, he's going to be looked at as being one of the better ones, right? Because of the quality and in, in what he got out of the draft. Um, and then you look at also what we had to deal with on our defense with having, uh, you know, injuries to, to a retiring Luke, to things that you couldn't have predicted were going to happen at a GM position. Um, and, and to defend one part, I think before I jump into my point here, Shaq Thompson was signed while Luke was still in uniform. And Shaq Thompson was still doing pretty well at that position in place of Thomas Davis. We needed a replacement. Letting him go would have been a mistake. And if we let Shaq walk, we would have all been upset because Shaq was playing decent. Because we've all established Shaq plays better when he's true? got better players around. Is that true about the timeline? I'm not saying you're false. Yes. I'm just saying that's yes. He so got signed Luke two had... years. This is his second year on this new contract. Really? So yes. Huh. I, I thought he just got it this past off season. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought it was. No, kinda... yeah, you're wrong. Okay, his well, okay, no, the first year of his new contract was. What year was he drafted? Because we exercised his fifth year option. I think the way he was drafted in 2015. Yeah. Okay, and then so, so... no, do we? We might have we might have exercised his fifth year and then signed him that. Yeah, because I want to say I think that part of the impetus for us extending making it priority to we prioritize Shaq over Bradbury is one is Brad you know corner costs a little bit more um but the other is that I thought it was because Luke had just retired and we didn't have anything yeah I I, I see what you're asking now like when did it happen was it a result all right but let's not get stuck on that but um the so well, can I just wait, on, can I just retort to what sure. said real quick. Oh, okay, what what I'm trying to say is is that there's a through line to all of this, right? Just like there was never any evidence on film of Teddy Bridgewater being a franchise quarterback. But we both on, agree that he was on, not Bernie's choice. There was never any evidence on Shaq Thompson's film to say that he was worth. The thirteen to sixteen million dollars a year that he's going to be getting from here on out. If you want to pay someone, fine. But we're talking about overpaying a player when you had another player on your football team that would have added much more value to you, both now and long term. And number one, Taylor Moten, who rumor is we're not going to pay. And then number two, James Bradbury. James Bradbury right now when Dante Jackson isn't panning out for us and Russell Douglas is our I best agree player. on that. I agree I on the Bradbury for is, years. Hold on. I and why you guys are is, is Shaq inside linebacker or four three outside linebacker? Four three outside. Four three out, yeah. Okay, go ahead. So but but my what I was trying to get at, I just had to defend that because that was he signed that contract before Luke retired right. before he was December considered. 2019 yeah. when they were exactly. still playing. Still exactly. Playing. Yep. So, I mean, they were still in the middle of the year last year, but nonetheless, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't this past off season after the retirement of Luke. Um, it was well after their ability to scout other players was already over. They already had an idea who they were wanted, uh, you know, by the time Luke retired. How is Khalil um, so, Mack listed as an inside linebacker? I thought he but was in, but uh, my point <laughs> is right now we're already a year into a pretty successful rebuild. 
bringing in a new GM, you yes, you risk having a great GM, but you also equally risk having a really shitty GM who doesn't know how to draft. You know, we could be in a situation where now we're moving in a positive direction. We can all agree we're moving in a positive direction, mm-hmm. right? And and Cody, all the people in the top 10 draft picks, like if we're in the top 10, all the people that are quarterbacks that are rated in the top 10 are people you could see being a Panthers quarterback, right? Yeah, I mean, right now, yeah. So we can't even use his ability to not draft QBs against him in this draft if we are for sure going against the QB. Because no matter what, like unless he goes full on Daniel Jones well, but it, or Mitch Trubisky. But, but again, I don't trust him to be able to look at the narrow margins that somebody might see that puts one player over another. So, for example, Daniel Jones was drafted in the top 10. Exactly. Like, I, and I everybody laughed. But, yeah. Well, okay. But he, oh, I wouldn't that say that. And it was laughable. Hey. Right. It was laughable. Dave Gettleman, and, and, by the way, not Marty look, Herney. I, I want to defend too Herney's Herney's pick with Cam Newton. I know you say, "Oh, Cam Newton was the quarterback there." A lot and, of people and, were like, telling like, us, "Yeah, we not at the time." Let, let me let me go over that 2011 draft class because I believe that 2011 draft class was probably the best draft class that I've ever seen. Yeah, it's legendary. For like, sure. I mean, it's absolutely insane. So, like, while he did, um, you know, draft Cam Newton, which we thought he should have. Like he could have gone a bunch of different directions, which we knew. If you we really think about it, he may he may have gone a different direction, and we might have been mm-hmm. more successful just based on what was going on. But dude, the two thousand eleven draft. Listen, li- yeah, listen to this. It's 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 Cam Newton, Vaughn Miller, Marcellus da- or Marcel Darius, AJ Green, Patrick Peterson, Julio Jones, uh, Blaine Gabbert, JJ Watt, Christian Blaine Ponder, Gabbard. Nick Farley, Mike Pouncey, Nate Solder. Uh, Prince Amakamakamuru, or however you say his name. Um, oh, he was good too. I mean, Mark Mark Ingram, uh, Derek yeah. Sherrod, dude. You had Colin Kaepernick, Andy Dalton. Like the 2011 draft cast was fucking loaded. It was. So to say that to say that 2011 drafting Cam Newton was a surefire thing. I don't well, think it was. He we needed a, a quarterback. We had the what were we the number one pick? Was that the number one? We were the one number one pick. Yeah. Yep. There now there was this crazy group of old head scouts that kept saying that Blaine Gabbert was gonna be was the better pick. Yes, was than better Cam than Newton. Blaine, yeah. But and yeah. also in defense of Cody's assessment on this, is that I do think it took a little bit of guts to draft Cam Newton at that time. Because it was kind of, and the reason I say that is because he fit so many narratives of what people said an NFL quarterback couldn't be, right? So it mm-hmm. took some guts right. to just say, we're going to go with this beautiful stallion right here. And that was a great pick. But the rest of the fucking draft was a godforsaken bust. Terrible. Oh, Terrible. it was horrendous. Hold on, hold on. The, the rest of the draft no, what, the, for the Panthers. The rest of the no, Panthers I'm, draft oh, was Terrell McClain, Suofo. Yeah. There's not one person that worked out other than Cam Newton. And to be yeah. honest, this is the problem with really Marty Herney is that he gives you one or two players – that turn out to be really great, right? Stars. Yeah. And Stars. then it's just not enough hits. He he did it a little bit better early on in his career. Um, but like the 2012 draft, another bum of an ass draft. And that, Luke. yeah, you get Everybody. Josh Norman at 143, but it's Luke and Josh 
other than that, Frank Alexander smoked weed out of this, you know. So, um, Herney is good at picking some. He can pick a linebacker, bro. I tell you that. That motherfucker can draft yeah. a damn linebacker. Yeah. But I do agree Hopefully with we'll what see. Cody's saying is that he is not irreplaceable by any measure. Yeah, and yeah. number no, two, you can I'd, get I'd. a big improvement. But number three, though, is how it's going to be a lot about fit, guys. That's what it is. And right now, at least on the surface, Matt Rule, Marty Herney, and David Tepper have a decent relationship. I think, think about this. This is the first year, and, and granted, like I said, we want to sit here and put you know, Teddy Bridgewater on on Marty Herney all day, every day, but we know that was not Marty Herney's decision. Marty Herney's decision was heavily swayed by our co- coaching staff. We know that. There is no questioning that. We know exactly what this what this had, what, 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 what was going on. And I think this coaching staff and Marty Herney work very closely hand-in-hand with the moves that they make. You know, you got to keep in mind, you know, what, what we have as far as like the people that are that are being signed. But here's what I'm saying. My point being is, are you prepared to take that risk on a GM that that more often than not does not hit in the NFL that has no proven record? Right. If you look at the history of, of people who need to hire new GMs mm-hmm. more often than not, it doesn't work. Uh, so, and they give yeah. them way too much time. So or yeah, you, I, the answer or do you is want to yes. go with somebody who or do you want to go with somebody who is clearly working well with this coaching staff who has drafted well this year and has an opportunity to show that he's able to do something more next year with a completely different mindset that isn't being hindered by another coach? No, because the, the reason why you still do it is because all those reasons you said not to is only rooted in fear. Like literally what you just said is, hey, if it doesn't work out. We're fucked. And you're right, CK. If it doesn't work out, it could be a very bad situation. And I'm not trying to tell you that that is impossible, that it can't happen, that we hire someone and it turns out that they're wrong. What I'm saying is this. The Carolina Panthers, as of right now, are mired in mediocrity for two different reasons. We have a mediocre general manager and we have a mediocre quarterback. I argue that that purgatory known as being a mediocre franchise is even worse than being a dumpster fire because at least if you're a dumpster fire you get the benefit of having all the good draft picks what i'm saying is is in order assuming you have a good gm in order for the carolina panthers to be a legitimate perennial contender you have to take chances you have to take chances. You have to take chances on a franchise quarterback. And once you feel like you've done your due diligence and you feel you have a candidate that can manage your team for a decade or more, yeah, man, you hired that. This was Cody's exactly argument. Right this was Cody's <laughs> argument uh, for getting rid of Ron Rivera. And yeah. to be honest, is that he wanted to do it a year earlier. Um, we can, t- I, I think we did the right timeline on this and I'm happy with what we did though. So being, you know, we could be sitting here with Ron Rivera going through all this crap, right? Um, I have one question about this GM thing and then we're going to go, we got to get to these damn calls. Yeah, it's 1130. My question to you is this, is that when you look at these middle of the pack picks or even when we assess a draft and the success of it. 
how much of that should also be attributed to the actual head coach and his actual staff? Because I feel like they have a large voice in that war room. And when I look at some yeah. of these bust busted-ass drafts, I don't know if that's all Herney and if it is – or any GM – and when you got some of these busted after ass, maybe that falls on the coaching staff, right? A little bit because they well, have, and maybe some of those scouts inside you lean on down. them. Yeah, it is top down, and I, I just think the coaching yeah. staff has a large influence on those picks. All right, let's go through these calls. We're just powering through. Okay. Yeah. Hey guys, it's Tyler from Spruce Pond. Um, I started a podcast. Uh, it's called the Country Panther. Uh, Tony, you were actually my first follower ever. I listened to it today. Um, I made it today, and and today is Monday. Um, If you guys would, um, I made the podcast to try and help grow uh, Panther Nation. I love what you guys do. I love listening to you guys. Um, If you would, uh, just give me a shout-out. Anybody that's listening to this podcast, uh, you would give mine a listen. And let me know what you think. You can find me on Twitter at country underscore panther. Um, and the link to my podcast is on there. Thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, thanks for your support. Thanks yeah. for the shout-outs on your podcast today. I listened to it. I did follow you. I follow it like I'm not intimidated by people like this. As I want us to grow, I love that attitude. So, yeah, I'm going to follow you. Even when you have to create a new Twitter account, I followed you again. On top of that, my next piece of advice for your podcast is, I don't know if you mentioned your name in your own podcast today. You mentioned that call, so thank you. But nah, go listen to it, and I loved it. Uh, I love hearing Panther fans talk honestly and authentically about about, uh, being a Panther fan and, and their position. I think we have a lot of insight. I think you see it on this podcast and all the podcasts. A lot of different takes that are really valuable and just as valuable as those by people who are getting paid to do this. The other thing is, I always love when people shout me out. You shout me out on your podcast. And on top of that, my man even shouted out a tweet. He didn't even remember it was mine about Teddy Bridgewater being adorable when he does a play action pass because he looks like he's going to throw downfield and then he doesn't. Uh, 252-228-5098. Go follow the country. It was country. Country at Panther country Park. underscore Panther. That's what I'm looking yeah. for right country now. Country Panther yeah. Podcast. There you go. Grow Panther Nation one fan at a time. Hell, more podcasts, more listeners, more fans. Hey, guys. Um, this is Chuck from Elizabeth City calling. Um, just kind of wanted an address, and it was an emotional week. I think this was the most emotional week I've had this year. Um, <laughs> and, and I give credit to the coaching staff. And these young players, uh, some of the guys who are developing, uh, they kind of give us a reason for something to believe in. We see a bright future. Um, kind of disappointed, you know, at the end of the game with the coaching staff. And we can blame Fly. We can blame Bridgewater. And we can really blame the coaches, you know, for uh, Joe Brady and, and Matt Rule for not running the ball there at the end of the game. Uh, kind of got to go with the analytics and, Take time off the clock and, and, and get the ball in the end zone. And if you don't, you've got to pin down the left time. Um, but I want to focus on something I've been watching you guys on the show. And, and I really see it in one of you guys who's really die hard with the draft. Cody, I'm coming out for you, buddy. Um, Come on, buddy. I love your excitement. 
I love what you bring to the show. But I cannot thank of the other gentleman, and, and he's very reasonable. Uh, CK, I really think, is the biggest voice of reason with, with Tony. But I'm going to say you guys who want to lose out, get a high draft pick, there's a loser mentality. And everybody says you don't gain anything by losing these games, you know, by winning these games. We don't pick up anything. We need to go ahead and get a high draft pick. And I bring you back to the 2012 draft. I wanted Mark Barron with a ninth pick. Tampa Bay took him at number eight. I was disappointed. We took a linebacker I really didn't know much of by the name of Keekley. How'd that work out? And look at this year's draft in the second round. We got Matos and we got Jim. A lot of people wanted Isaiah Simmons. We took Derek Brown in the first instead. We cannot just assume that the higher draft pick we get is going to be a better player. We've got to win games and be that type of club. A lot of times people think when the start of a season happens, the first thing that's going to happen is we're 0-0 and we're going to go on a 10-game winning streak and we finally turn the corner. Why can't we be at the end of a season and we start our breakthrough? Even with these last five games, why can't we start getting on fire and take it into next year and we start a winning tradition with this coaching staff and this team we have? It doesn't have to start with a new draft pick and a new season and new free agency. We can take what we've got now, try to go ahead and win and bring it into next season. I do not want to be one of these people who want to lose the game. Uh, let me see. Here's part two. It's Chuck from Elizabeth City calling again. I got on a rant, and it'll probably get worse for the season ends. But I just wanted to say we cannot be in a situation where we think we're going to just lose out and get a better draft pick. That's not a guarantee. Cleveland and Detroit and, and, and Jacksonville should be prime examples of teams that are in the top five or ten every year to draft. How's it worked out for them? Uh, you know, Nevada Seattle's defenses are eight and three right now. Pete Carroll's got them winning every year, and a low year for them is being 9-7 and seven or 10-6. and six. I want to be a team that we expect to be in the playoffs every year. Same. A winning mentality is important. Taking some guy who's playing in college right now who may be a win, who may not be a win. We're getting some really good quarterbacks like Herbert for the Chargers this year. Wow, we almost got the guy. We could have had the guy. But how many times is it that guy that gets drafted that just stinks. It's not any good. I mean, even a guy like Wentz for Philadelphia is kind of going down downhill right now. We've got to start. This is why I don't believe winning. you on that North Dakota bullshit. I want to be a winner. I want to win. <laughs> and when I watch a yes. Panther game, I can't sit there and root for them to lose. That's not how my mentality goes. Got to win these games. That's what to keep pounding my, that's not keep accumulating, keep accumulating, that's keep pounding. Put the hammer to the nail and you keep pounding. I like it. Yeah, I, I've uh, I've been an advocate for this is you don't want to get the stink on you. Um, and the stink is real, right? It is real. Um, and there have been a lot of teams that have had a lot of high draft picks that have blown it. Now, there have been a lot of opportunities too, where a high draft pick really can turn your franchise around. You know, you pick mm-hmm. a Cam Newton, it turns your franchise around. 
you pick maybe what's going to be Trevor Lawrence turns your franchise around or Peyton Manning, these types of guys, right? But for all of those picks, there are also a long list of guys picked at the same position at the same with the same draft capital that have been immeasurable busts where you're going to go from RG three to look Lamar Jackson's even regressed this year. Um, but I, I think here the, the, the best examples of this are real or some of my favorite examples are right now still in the NFL. One is, um, in Chicago sucking, you know what? Mitchell Trubisky. Awful. Daniel Jones is a better running back than he is a quarterback. And my favorite of all time, Blake Bortles. Now those, those, some of those guys were picked in some quarterback thin drafts. Some of those were picked in drafts where um, here and there, there's more names: Jared Goff, Sam Darnold. Der- Jared Goff, okay, had a bad week this week, but not transcendent. Jared Goff had uh, a bad season to some degree. And then the other guy who also been in a Super Bowl and in the playoffs. Sure, sure, but Sam Darnold was probably you know, but there's the Sam Darnold. There is Carson Wentz who's having a very terrible season. I don't know what's going on with him. And He's then not, the the no other injury, one yeah, that is kill them, man. that one and that was picked by Arizona. Watson, sure, yeah. So there are plenty of there's stories where Josh it works Allen and when it doesn't. And Justin Herbert. No, okay, Josh Allen. This, I, 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 okay. Can I just respond to this phone call real quick? Sure. Listen, yeah. every Tuesday night I come on here and I, I, I'm fighting the world, man. I'm 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 either dying on the fire Ron Rivera Hill or fire Marty Herney Hill. Not because I want the Panthers to suck so we always have good draft picks. I want nothing more than for this team to be a powerhouse NFL team like they deserve to be, like we as fans deserve to have as a fan base. I understand that there are things that you have to do to build that kind of football team, and it's not easy to do, and it's based off of a simple principle. If you don't have a franchise quarterback, you don't have a future. Now, yes, you might end up drafting a bust who ends up being the next Manziel or Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen, whatever, man. If you want to play fearful like that, that's fine. All I'm saying is the Panthers. That's have not to what have he's saying, though. He's saying intentionally tanking is not right. what he's supporting. Well, All hoping I'm for losses is, is what we he's need, We need right. Okay, then we either need a, a better pick to be in position to draft that player, or we have to be okay with moving up to grab that person, like the Kansas City Chiefs did, like the Buffalo Bills did with Josh Allen. And like the Texans did with Deshaun Watson. Jury's still out on Allen, and I do think this is there's a difference probably from the the difference between there's kind of a difference in in some of these conversations is one is that the team want is gonna want to win. You want a team that wants to win. You right. want a team that doesn't care about advancing their draft pick. But they're, so, but philosophically believing that starting at the top with a, a strong quarterback and knowing how valuable they are. This is the draft to get one, though, it seems like. Yeah. Yes. But well, here's my question, my Cody. Point. Do these quarterbacks last to pick 10? 
I think so yeah, right I now because I think right, right now, right now, there's now some if, we, bad... if, we, if we lose all the way out, we can be at the second pick in the draft. Right now, the theoretically, we can be at the second pick in the draft. The two wild cards are one dude, which our chat room is already talking about a lot, Zach Wilson. Which yeah. I, I honestly think right now it's not even a discussion. He is the number three quarterback right now. I think the recency bias, the fact that he's having a, 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 a Heisman kind of season. Um, I think Trey Lance is probably number four. So it would depend on um, if Trey Lance would end up falling outside of the top ten. Um, How has Fields looked this year on the field? How's How has Fields looked on the field? on the pitch. Well, Ohio state has played far less football than anyone else because the big 10 started right. so much later than everyone else. Right. And they've had cancellations, um, but just had a few games where he's tossed four or five touchdowns. Right. Right. Uh, but like, is he, is he right now running more on reputation uh, or no, performance? I, no, listen, That's all. I haven't watched it, so I don't know. Yeah. So him and Trevor Lawrence this year, it would be very similar. Um, to how Andrew Luck and um, uh, Robert Griffin III were the number one and number two pick. Or even um, going back to Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf back for the old Right, ends. but yeah. the difference is Justin Fields um, has been a winner and a high-level quarterback for a long time. People have known his name for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's been a winner in high school. He's been a winner at Ohio State. Um, he, he's a badass man. In any other year that didn't have Trevor Lawrence, he's by far the number one player on the board, by far. Okay, real quick, Cody, I want to go back real quick to one thing we're talking about uh, with this whole drafting and, and, and GMs and everything. I want to ask you a question, see if you know, because I guarantee you this is a. It may be a number that's somewhat high, but I guarantee it's minuscule compared to the number of to- overall GMs. How many GMs have signed or dra- signed and or drafted at least two quarterbacks that have taken them to the Super Bowl? Oh, like hit Six, uh, That's a tough question. Questions. How many GMs have signed or drafted at least two quarterbacks that have taken them to the Super Bowl? And you can't count like Tom Brady as six. Like it's one quarterback. So are you saying so like, like uh, they've done it twice? Like they've been they've done it twice because Herney's yeah. done it twice. The only reason I'm asking. So I'm putting Herney on that level. If he's signed or drafted two quarterbacks that have taken us to the Super Bowl, yeah, Delome's a little. How low, many? How many though. GMs have done that? Delume and isn't that the so isn't lucky. that the ultimate goal? Is to get to the Super Bowl. He, didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't draft Delone though. He, but, but he, he signed, signed him. him. But he signed him, free agent. He signed him. <laughs> I mean, but, man, you're, you're talking about signing. You're talking about signing being a level of GM doing something. John Elway get credit for signing Peyton Manning. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But so he's then, only done it once. Okay, That's but what it. I'm saying is, you can name you can name 45 different different GMs that have done that. There's probably. 2,000 GMs that have been in the NFL. So realistically, 45 to that number of GMs that have actually been in the NFL, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good ratio. I mean, it's pretty Maybe good. Maybe the good Baltimore guy you know? has done it because he's gotten yeah. Flacco, Joe Flacco and, and Lamar uh, Jackson. Here, yeah. uh let's but let's Lamar recircle to, let's circle the, the question back You're to right. this. Tell me how many legitimate quarterbacks are top ten picks <clears throat> without thinking about any other like how many who like how many could go in the top ten without looking at what teams need them? Like, would you say you're comfortable if we're the number ten pick and the other guys have been drafted? Who are they? 
Uh, so who are the four For quarterbacks Trevor that have already been drafted? No, 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 no Trevor no. Lawrence. Who, who in this draft class is capable of being drafted in the top ten? Or yeah, like if we're number ten and they're there. Yeah. So Lawrence Fields, okay. Zach Wilson Trevor, is three. Justin Fields, Zach Wilson from BYU, and Trey Lance from North Dakota State University. Now, what about the Florida kids? But yeah, there are two wild cards in here. I'm not really high on either of them, but that's not my official uh, opinion yet. I haven't watched a ton of film. Uh, It's uh, uh, Kyle Trask, the quarterback from Florida, who is who our Brad Brad Dugan loves. who, Who is statistically putting up better numbers than Joe Burrow was last year. So there's that. Um, and then Matt Jones, the quarterback from Alabama. Um, and Alabama looks like a damn Yeah, we can't get a Matt too. Jones. The last one, quarterback, he was a quarterback drafted wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars named Matt Jones and ended up loving cocaine a little bit too much. Um, here, good news, though. Currently, number one pick, New York Jets. Yes, taking a quarterback. Number Trevor, two, I- Trevor Lawrence. Number two. Jacksonville is going to take Justin, a quarterback. I, I just say it's yeah. Fields or somebody Fields. else, right? In case they just yeah. do something stupid like they pick with Bortles. Three, Cincinnati would be a f- – I, I think that's a lot for them to put two, you know. But, I mean, I guess there is a chance now if you're worried about Burrow because of the injury. Oh, I, I doubt it. They're but probably I, draft I highly Pinnett. doubt They're probably it. draft Pinesel. Okay. Yeah. Four, here's a problem, Dallas. They are a yes, problem. I've been mm-hmm. saying this. I do not believe after Dallas has done nothing but tell you that they don't want to pay Dak Prescott the highest paid quarterback money in the NFL. I don't all of a sudden believe that if they're sitting there at number three or four and a bunch of teams are calling them to try and trade up for Zach Wilson, that they're going to go with Dak Prescott. I don't believe it either. Injury, coming off of an injury. And they that have to pay him. Yeah, Dallas is a problem. Dallas, well, Dallas is a problem. Dallas we actually problem. just need them to win a game, dude. You know, that's, that's, that's why Dallas is not a problem. I hope yeah. the NFC East kind of sorts itself out before yeah. we're Chargers. Chargers are next. No quarterback. The rest of the season, they're going to win two more games. Good. Good. Chargers not going to get a quarterback. Philadelphia wild card. Wild card. It's going to be hard after they put a second round pick. They have Wentz. Yeah, Mind they're they're giving up, and they paid Wentz. And it's yeah, given up on him too quick. Like he's just having, he's having a down year. So good they have chance. A bad team, period. Is what yeah. It is. Yeah. So we need to be rooting for that. We're all Dallas Cowboy fans now for the rest of the season. All right. Next question. What about, games, I think. What about, yeah. what about uh, Washington? Washington's currently behind us. And okay. they all have a chance to win the division. So, do you think, Yo. Cody? Do you do you really think that? And I, I this sounds stupid, but do you think the Jets are officially done with Darnold? Like yes. they're done with him, even though yes. he hasn't had an opportunity to play for a coach that actually knows how to coach a game of football. Yes. He hasn't played for a a team that has uh, the talent to keep him upright, nor the talent to catch the balls that he is throwing. Um, and, and all that stuff. Do you think that they would they would be willing to trade away from the number one pick knowing that Sam Darnold still has a lot of potential? He's still the same Sam Darnold 
He just hasn't been given the equal opportunity. If he goes to the Jets, he's in the exact same situation that Sam Darnold. If Tre- uh, Trevor Lawrence goes to the Jets, he's in the exact same situation. Yeah, but that different Trevor caliber Lawrence. player, man. Lawrence. Sam Darnold never was as good as people made him. And out to and be. by the way, like people really don't understand. Like people think, oh, well, you're a Clemson fan, Kobe, because of course you're gonna say yeah, this. Everybody knows that records. Trevor Lawrence is. Uh, is yeah. Like Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, the difference between Trevor and Sam is night and day. And then on top of that, dude, he's cheaper for the next three or four, potentially five years. I mean, they'll pay him before then, I'm assuming. But yeah, you, and when you're you're going to have a brand new head coach, you're going to do everything different. You have a bunch of draft picks. There is no way the Jets are not taking Trevor All Lawrence. Right, next call. Hey, what's up, C3? It's your boy, Mike, a.k.a. Supreme, Supreme Leader. Leader. Supreme Leader. All right, that was, that was horrible. <laughs> 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 I thought I'd give it a shot because I've been loving the impersonations lately. But, this uh, is Tyler Lovato. DMC Lovato. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I got a lot to say. Um, from listening to the post game, I'm pretty sure Cody's going to be talking about Marty Herney this episode. And uh, I've always stood in between on firing Marty and keeping him. But I think this year is going to be the make or break for me. Uh, this year's draft, if we don't draft a top four quarterback, if we have a top ten pick and a quarterback's there, one of the quarterbacks, and we pass on him for a fucking linebacker or some shit, Michael Parsons. I don't yeah, that'll be. How good does he look? Okay, we need a quarterback more than anything. Uh, especially if, say we pass on him for a linebacker who turns out to be, I don't care if this motherfucker's a Hall of Fame linebacker, if one of those quarterbacks that we pass on turn out to be good, I'm done, dude. Like, we need a quarterback. I don't want to be the Buffalo Bills. More than ever. Because I don't see us taking this high for a long fucking time. Not with this coaching staff. We're coached too well. Um, we need to draft a QB. That's that. That's fucking simple. So if Marty drafts a QB, well, I'll be I'll be on the keep Marty train. If he doesn't, I want I'll be joining the hill with Cody. But also, he needs to fucking extend Taylor Moten. I don't know how this hasn't been done. Yeah. Taylor Moten has done nothing but been solid for us. He's been a stud. He I hear he went work every day. Money. Never gets in trouble. You never even hear his name. This dude just shows up to work. And that's the kind of He has like want. a degree in like astrophysics or finance or something. Like that's why we ain't paying him. He knows too much about money. Coming to work and doing their fucking job. So. All right. Next call, Tyler. I'm powering through your next call. And we're hey, going to skip the C3? third one. Run DMC Lovato. <laughs> call number two. Uh, so as you, as you, as I said in my last call, I have a little conspiracy about, not even conspiracy, it's just how I really think, I really think going on right now, the power structure in the front office, okay? I think first off, it's Matt Rule at the very top, and behind him, David Tepper. And then it's Marty, right? I don't think Marty honestly holds any fucking power in this fucking front office. I think uh, it's Matt Rule 
and makes all the fucking decisions. And I, and I, I agree with this, agree or I think this is right. how it's going to be, think, at least. I'm going to prove we said this earlier. And I'm not scared to say this, but a Bill O'Brien kind of power structure here that's hidden by Marty Herney being being the GM, but he's really, I don't even think, he, he just like the person who's holding that slot as a GM, but I don't think he really is the GM, okay? I think the only thing that Marty does is scout. He's like the top scout, okay? And the GM is already in that rule. I think I think he's already conceded the power to that rule. And I, just I don't think, think it's happened yet. Yeah, I just think he knows who is who is in ex, who's and expendable. I mean, you're supposed to do as a game. You're supposed to get what your coach wants. So he might just be, you know. Doing whatever Netroll wants. This is time. why he's going to end really up staying. He has no, no decision. Like, say he, say he wants to draft uh, a linebacker this year in the draft. Okay, I think Netroll will overstep him and be like, "Nah, fuck that. We're getting a quarterback, or we're getting the line, we're getting the lineman, or something." Right? I think that he holds no fucking power. I think he's a guy there that he's like a waiter. He comes to your table. What do you want to eat? You know, he'll go get it for you. That's all he is. <laughs> I agree. And I'm kind of worried, like, we might have a little Bill O'Brien situation on us where Matt Rule mm. is the coach and also the secret GM because Marty Herney's being kept there as a puppet. All right, so I think this is here's where I disagree. Thanks, Tyler, for the call. Is where I dis I agree 100 that Matt Rule has the power or is going to have the power. Right, he's going to end up like he might not use it all the time, but if he wants to veto something, I think he can. I think that Marty Herney knows that this is how it's supposed to roll at this point. He saw him get this giant long-term contract. He knows that David Tepper loves him, and he's just trying to work and fit and work within this. Uh, where I disagree with the call is this: is Bill O'Brien sucked at all of it. Right, he just yeah. sucked at all of it. At least Matt Rule right now is being a good coach, and I do think that Matt Rule hasn't pulled out that card too often. He has deferred to Marty Herney saying, let me learn the ropes a little bit more before I start telling everybody what to do in every single aspect. And I don't know if Marty Herney is really a scout anymore, though, right? I mean, like, he's too busy to be. They're not looking at this stuff yet. But uh, thanks for the calls. Love it. Keep on pounding. Uh, we're going to keep pushing through these goals. What's up, y'all? It's Nova, Nova, Nova Black. Um, I just want to say that Jason from Colorado is another impersonation. Caller of all time. Every time he comes on, it's just modern. Great modern. I think he said he loves Nova Black. What's going on, C3 Nation? It's your boy, Jay Anderson. He and y'all up. What's um, Jay? You know, being, interacting, being on Twitter and interacting with, in Twitter, I think a lot of people got this whole thing about Teddy wrong. People think that, you know, some Panther fans hate Teddy. Nobody hates Teddy. The real thing is everybody hates Marty Herney and, and uh, David Tepper for what they, you know, for basically what they did for Cam. Yep. Yeah. And for high, for giving this, you know, for giving Teddy 60, you know, 63 $63 million for three years in which basically you could have kept care for one more year. And if you want to do a rebuild, 
like, okay, just put the whole, just put the boy Will Greer in, and and see where we go for him. If Will Greer can't cut it, then we can just go draft us um a a quarterback. We could have been in the line to get Trevor Lawrence. We could have been in the line to get um Justin Fields. Well, we you know, we got a chance to get, to get Zach, you know, Zach Wilson or um, Trey Lance, maybe. I mean, I do believe that they should, you know. They, I believe they they should get one of those guys and stuff like that. Now I'm going back and forth. I'm saying they need an O lineman, you know, or they need a um, but I really think they do need a quarterback. And basically, first we need to get a new GM because it's I'm like this. You, you can you can say they need to go. They need to get a um offensive line, but you got to have a GM that knows how to pick that offensive line. You got to have coaches that know how to coach that offensive line. It's not, I mean, if you look at, if you look at New England, they got the best offensive line, but they got, they always intact with their offensive line. Even when somebody goes down, they still, they still decent enough. So you got to have coaches that going to coach your offensive line. You got to have a GM that knows how to pick your offensive line from your left tackles. You know, your right tackles and your guards and your centers, your backups. You got to have that. So, in all in all, man, I'm really, you know, I'm not pissed off at Teddy and stuff like that, even though he could have took the um took accountability. Damn there, he um waited until he saw everybody sweet yeah, and did. stuff like that to take <laughs> accountability. But, through it all, man, it's like the, the Teddy apologist, you know, they made it even worse. And stuff like that. They never got on the dude when he needs to be get on. They want to cuddle him like the dudes from Monday Night Football, like they cuddle Carson Wentz and stuff mm-hmm. like that, man. This, yeah, man, I got cut This is Jay Anderson. I got cut off. But all in all, I just want to say, man, like my whole beef is never with Teddy. You know, I think he's a decent quarterback. But with the Panthers, we don't need a, we don't need a decent quarterback. We need a, a playmaking quarterback. And this stuff is like what we've been and, you saying. Know, my, like I say, my anger is not towards Teddy. It's really my anger is towards Tepper and Marty Herney. Well, even the people that can, love you Teddy know, you can't only buy the owner, so decent. I ain't going on that. But, my, you know, if Tepper, want, if Tepper wants to um wants to have a new regime, he needs to get rid of Marty Herney. Mm. All right. Nice. Nice hey, y'all. How y'all I'm we're about one year too late in my opinion. Tuesday. Yep, me too. I agree I with that. All my brothers. Hey, man. Looking back on that game, man. Yeah, I was pissed off. You know, that's <laughs> why I missed that kick. In all reality. He was upset. Like that one caller said, he shouldn't even been in that predicament, man. Now I really look at it, and I agree with y'all. I mean, the team failed altogether. Teddy Bridgewater, man. I'm sorry, man. I don't have five on it. A lot of people saying they got five on it. You know, saying with Teddy Bridgewater, I don't. To me, this I don't even got two fifty. Not the answer for Carolina. Or tree fifty. Tree fifty. You know, and the way I look at it, we should try to get a quarterback this upcoming draft. I really, really think we should. And I I agree with Cody. Cody, our boy Zach Wilson. That boy is nice, man. I ain't going to lie. So, I just saw online, you know, we're like number seven in the draft. 
I don't know if Zach Wilson will go down there. I wouldn't trade up for his ass, though. I wouldn't do that. But uh, give me your thoughts on that. You know what I'm saying? You really blame Teddy Bridgewater for, for this loss because I do. And, Cody, before I let you go, who do you think will go first, Zach Wilson or Justin Fields? Whoa. Woo, keep pounding. Woo, um, yeah, man, I still think it'll be Justin. Is I it close? Just, uh, I think it's getting closer, but I think it depends on how this season ends. But, I mean, if if, if it goes the way it is right now, Ohio State is going to end up in the playoffs. They're going to end up playing Clemson and the big SEC teams. So I'd still put Justin ahead. Um, and, yeah, I don't really know that Zach's going to be able to pass him just because it's a one-year wonder thing. And it's not like his Joe Burrow, you know, uh, you know, breaking SEC records. It is BYU. And a lot of people are going to hold that against him. But I don't judge the helmet. I judge the player. Um, and number two, um, yeah, I do think it's Teddy Bridgewater's fault. And number three, uh, I agree with everything except I would be willing to trade up for the quarterback if we feel that we have the right player. I think when it comes to Teddy stuff, I'd still continue to think this is that the the conversation somehow gets lost on people being upset that were kind of dissatisfied with decent being okay or even the best case scenario. And it's not like Teddy. Teddy does some things that are pretty good. But he's just not great, and that's fine. I mean, I don't need him to be great. Didn't expect him to be great. It's just, um, man, it's just not. It's it's just not happening right now. And do I put it on Teddy? No, I put wins and losses on all. Uh, it does start with the head coach, right? At the end of the day, we blame the president for the what's going on in the country. We blame the coach. We blame the quarterback. They're the hero of the day, even when they shouldn't be. And really, Teddy has not been – we we have struggled in the red zone for several years now, and that was even with Cam Newton around. Uh, it has not changed. And and he just – as Pat Coltrane says, he's not a serial killer, bro. He's just like – you know, he's just okay at the very best. Um, and that's – you know, that's fine to have for a temporary measure. Like, it's going to – it's better than not having a quarterback, I would suggest – but I don't see a future where um, Teddy Bridgewater is just uh, gets tremendously better. How about that? Mm-hmm. Well, that can we just say that is is that unreasonable for the people that love Teddy Bridgewater? How much better do you expect him to get? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, is I that don't... say you gave him full three years, you put the pieces around him. What's the best Teddy is going to be? You know, mm-hmm. and I think that if your answer to that question will tell you. What you think about Teddy Bridgewater? Uh, next call. Hey, what's up, guys? Joey. Uh, ERA went to bed. You, you know, know that. You got to make straps. I'm thinking about that game for the past few <laughs> days. And I always thought that being that close hurts more than just getting your ass beat. Yeah. Because... If you get your ass beat by a team, then you should have lost that game. But this is a game we shouldn't have lost. Teddy Bridgewater sucks a dick. And he 
And he doesn't want to, he, I mean, like the other TB in our division, he doesn't want to take responsibility for it. He owes DJ a fucking apology for getting him hurt. He, uh... He needs to just, say, I need to be better. That's all he needs to say. It's messed up, man. But I was on the way home from work, and I was on the short bus, and the driver and I were debating what unit lost us this game. And he said defense, because of, uh, because of after the fourth, because of the fourth quarter. And I said, no. Our offense lost us that game because our defense got our offense in a position to go and put the game away. And then we were afforded the greatest opportunity we'll ever get this season. I would bet Greg. But I'm not gonna bet Greg because I bet we'll get a better opportunity if I did bet Greg because I suck at betting. <laughs> but we don't worry, Greg does may too. not get anything like that this season again. <laughs> and what did we do? I have a statement we to make came about up short. We couldn't get the points to put the game away, and that's why our offense lost us that game. And then, you know, I talk about like when the, when the team, when we get a touchdown, right? We celebrate the touchdown, at least I do, and then when the commercials come on, then I think, oh shit, we're up 20 points, we're gonna lose this damn game because we're gonna start packing our bags and taking our foot off the gas. So I just wanna know what you guys think about that, and anyway guys. Wow, wow! Nice. <laughs> All right, the Can comment I-, I wanted to make, just real quick, because it comes back to the Teddy Bridgewater press conference, and then uh, this is going to be really quick. Teddy Bridgewater said that they were in panic mode there and that DJ play, right? Yeah. In what world do you get the ball back on the 10-yard line in the red zone with a oh. three-point lead yeah. with <laughs> two minutes left in the game, Yes. and you are in panic mode? That tells me killer, you are not man. confident. He's not a killer. He wanted me. to run the ball, dude. He's not. So you should. The fact that he said they were in panic mode is a problem to me because there should have been that all they should have been feeling right there is extreme confidence in what they were doing because they had every opportunity to win that. They did like they, there was. I mean, what else can you do? You've gotten three turnovers, two resulted in a touchdown you didn't have to you know, do anything with, and the other gave you the ball within 10 yards of the, the goal line. I mean, there's not much more you can do. The other, point, anyway. the other point, too, is this, is that sometimes maybe we need to reframe our questions about who lost, who won these games, and things like that, right? Is that, I always yeah. think about it like this, is that – I I too often quantify things like the best movie, the best food. Really what we're saying is my favorite movie is, my favorite food is, right? Because they are. So maybe we shouldn't be saying who lost this game for us. But maybe we should be saying this, is that the Joey Slide did not win the game for us. He had had a chance to win the game for us. He didn't. Um, Teddy Bridgewater 
in the offense did not win the game for us. I like that way. They had an opportunity to do it. And this is what Matt Rule said. There was three chances. Our defense could have stopped somebody. Our offense could have scored a damn touchdown. Or special teams. And we could have kicked this damn field goal. In all three phases. The only reason I'm not saying that the defense didn't win this for us is because the uh, because what Joey Sly said, and there's what that there was no way we shouldn't we should have won this game. In theory, we just kind of in some ways I feel like we got a little lucky getting two scoops and scores. Imagine if we didn't have those. And oh, this would have been bad. And, and oh. that's my thing too is while, while you can listen to Matt Rule say well, we failed on all three levels of, of of the game, that's why we lost. No, I can look at the uh, defense and say we scored 14 points and had two turnovers. Well, he was I can only the, saying that on look, that last drive. That's what he was okay, saying. Okay, he but still, I can last... look at the special teams and I can say that we, we caused a turnover and put our offense on the on the eight-yard line to, to score and cause put the game it. away. The dude just our, dropped the ball. Like, I mean, he muffed the what, punt. What I'm you saying didn't is call the offense is, it. It was a great – it was a great – he he! If you watch that, you that know play, he was that talking was a, shit to him when he came up. No, dude, listen, listen. That ball would have been like that dude jumped on that ball and he got it perfect. Like that's yeah, the perfect way to exactly. Yeah. and that's what I'm saying is is like yeah. That's why I right. say the we, offense we did didn't win on and Joey Sly didn't win it. They didn't win it for us. They might not have lost it in, by themselves, but they didn't win it. The but defense a did give us a chance. The offense. It's the Agreed. offense's job Agreed. to score points to win the game, Agreed. not the defense right. or special teams' job. You know, In many ways, do, the defense came out Tony's like a about. wash. I get what Tony's talking about because, you know, I get what, what, what we're talking about. Like, this shouldn't have been in the defense's hands, but it was, and they still failed, right? And then even after that, it shouldn't have been in Joey Sly's foot, but it was, and he failed, right? And so... Yeah. There was failures on all three phases. Now, a- as a whole, should any of those other two been in that position? No, but they were, and they still failed. That's what I think Tony's trying to yeah. trying yeah. to put into perspective. Is even and, though it's I not mean they fault, did they end up scoring like fourteen points with no, you know, I mean, and uh, it's on everybody. But the defense could have; they had an opportunity to make some plays. And they couldn't. And we just, you know, man, Russell Douglas and Justin Jefferson is just not enough. All right, next call. The last couple. And we hey, what's up, it. C3? Uh, I wasn't going to call again. This is Tyler. But uh, you guys started talking about how you don't think we can get a good offensive, good offensive lineman in the second round. And I completely disagree. I've uh, This year has been so tr- like boring under Teddy Bridgewater. I've already been scouting for about like four weeks now. Because I know I knew the season was going to go the way it was. I actually thought it was going to be worse. But this tackle class, is I think this game well. exposed. Okay, I'm going to name Teddy. you guys some tackles that should that I'm just going to name you guys the best tackles in this class, and it's deeper than last year's class. The last year it was top heavy. It had four really good tackles. Okay, and then the rest of them were like meh. But here's the tackles. Okay, we got Sinead Sewell from Morgan. Like he's this. a yep. he's a lot great tackle. Okay. We got Samuel Cosme from Texas, who I fucking love. Okay, this dude is a, this dude's a beast. Okay, we got uh, Jalen Mayfield, who held Chase Young. He's a right tackle though, but he held Chase Young down. Okay, we got Liam Eschenberg from Notre Dame. Notre Dame's offensive line has been great this year. He's, yes. he's a good player. He can also switch into guard. We also got uh, Dylan Redunds from North Dakota State. 
He's been very solid. And he can definitely go in the first round. We also have Jackson Carmen from Clemson, the one that Cody liked a lot. Um, the only game that I've seen so far of Jackson Carmen playing horrible was against Chase Young. But and he had his We also got Christian Darisaw from West Virginia. Wait, not West Virginia. Virginia Tech. And he's played great. And uh, I'm forgetting some other people. There's Daniel Pelea. He's a 400-pound left tackle. But I'm not a big fan of big, fat-ass left tackles. But <laughs> there's a there, this this tackle class has Make about him a eight defensive deep. tackle. It's about eight deep, and one of them will definitely be there in the second round. Also, the interior deep, the interior offensive line is it's not super deep, but it's it's nice. Um, you got Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma, the best center in the class. He's a monster. Josh Myers from Ohio State, a great center. You also have Wyatt Davis from Ohio State, who's the best guard in the damn class. He's a fucking monster. His his uh grandpa, I believe, is a Hall of Famer. Um, Elijah Vera Tucker, a good guard from USC. I'm not even looking at a sheet right now, but I wish I was, because if I was looking at my sheet, I would definitely be able to say more names for the interior great offensive call. line. Great call. But you know this, what? This, what I'm trying to say is this uh, line class for 2021 is pretty damn deep, especially at tackle. And one of them will definitely be there in our second-round pick. So you guys don't need to worry about that. See, um, I like this. I, think- I like this. You know what, Cody? I'm starting to see coming into fruition if we keep on this trajectory of draft in many ways similar to this year's draft, except for on the other side, quarterback, right? And then in yeah. the first four rounds, we pick All three three out of four players are offensive players because I yeah. do think we need to invest something in the secondary. And that might be through free agency. I don't know where it's at, but we can't, you know I mean? We're, we're too young and thin back there. Dante Jackson's not working out. but I, And I just know that some of the talent gets a little thin in three and four when you're getting in a cornerback range. So I would not be opposed to us going quarterback, tackle, corner, center, guard. Like that would be awesome. Like that. Yeah. That'd be I'm I'm down for it. I'm All happy right. for it. Uh last two calls. What's up, what's up? It's Blake B. Hey, what's up, man? I don't know if you guys have looked at the Panthers Twitter recently. Like but they uh they posted earlier today Everyone keeps asking when well, we're doing another giveaway, and I don't know what they gave away before, but this guy named Robert retweets. I mean, you already gave away a W last week against the Vikings. Oh. <laughs> the uh, actually retweeted back because they were getting so much hate on it. Uh, they thought that it was like a gift or something. This kid just chill out, bro, chill out. So I thought that was hilarious. That oh, that uh, is great. Everybody's just pounding them for how bad they uh, they blew it last week. Uh, also. Teddy B sucks. Internet remains undefeated. What's up, fellas? This is uh, Zach. I don't think I've ever said where I am, uh, where I'm from before, but I'm from uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. But regardless, this is going to be a short call. I just heard uh, Chuck from Elizabeth City, uh, his call. And I think we can all agree uh, his main point. I just want to win, man. Like I think that's all we want. You know, as a fan base, we just want to see a winning franchise. We just want to see a franchise that gets out there and competes every Sunday. Uh, you know what I'm saying? That's that's all we want. You know, and like he we've said, been very, we've been uh, relevant for the last decade. 
you know, just want to lose out or tank or whatever because you could bust in the draft, you know. All we want is a franchise that's going to put a winning a winning team out there. I would also argue just a team that goes out there and competes every Sunday, you know. Well, but, uh, it seems like Matt Rule's got these boys doing like that. Like I said in my earlier call, being a Panthers fan has been rough. But uh, I, I think we've got a bright future, and I think we're going to turn it around again. As always, I always say this. I appreciate what you guys do. I really love your podcast. Uh, keep it up, and uh, you guys have a good one. Yeah, man, thanks a lot. And look, is I think we'll finish. Um, I'll just round the cat calls out with this. First, I love all the perspectives right on this yep. show. I like mm-hmm. uh, the passion that Cody brings. I like the reasonableness that CK brings, right. and I like the the kind of statistical analysis that Greg brings. And I just Say love my, the, I got great hair. That's what I bring. <laughs> um, when it comes, oh, you're to, the moderator, bro. Yes. Uh, when it comes Mediator. to the calls, we've got so many good perspectives. And and it was Chuck from Elizabeth City who's had some great calls over the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah. And one of the things, though, as I agree with a lot of his point, uh, I think tonight we had a, a lot of good conversation when it comes to the GM. And even though we kind of got into, we felt like a little argument amongst ourselves, is that there was real common ground still b- okay. beneath the discussion, right? And I actually think that there is, and I'm going to end it with the common ground on Chuck from Elizabeth City the common ground between Cody from Charlotte and was it Zach from Greensboro? I think that's what I it don't was. know. But Zach hit me up, man. I'm with Salem. They, uh, the common ground here is we want a team that is relevant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is consistently in, in a, a chance to get better and better. Uh, we have each year, we've had that for the last decade. It started with Cam Newton. You know, really, we have been a very relevant franchise, even though it has not translated into the immeasurable success that people want. We have actually had a good decade. The problem is the back end of this decade has been a problem, right? But I mean, if you think of 2013, 2015 and 2017, it wasn't every other year thing. I know it's an every other thing. That's the that's get used to it, Carolina Panther fans. That's our mo. Uh, we do want to break that. We would love to have two back to back winning seasons, but the the uh, relevancy the relevancy really began with Cam Newton. Yeah, look, you're talking yeah. about a 2012 a 2011 draft where we only got one pick right, one yeah, pick one right, pick. and it changed. I, I actually. Know, I actually can disagree with that. I really think the rele- relevancy began with Jake DeLome and the Carolina Panthers going to the first no. Super Bowl. Well, that no, was our see, first round of relevancy. That was and our first few, round. That was our first round of relevancy. We had a few down years. We, we had a couple of years with Jake DeLome. We won 11, 12 games that yeah. we didn't go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Jake DeLome had his own well, nickname. Jake DeLome put us on the map. Cam Newton Jake Delhomme. Yeah, Del Homie. But yes, but but we've had two decades. We have had two decades where we've had Mm -hmm. glimpses of relevancy. I'm just saying the last 10 years has not been as bad as you think. It's been a tough. Last year was tough. Last year was one of the worst years. One of the fucking worst years. Uh, Last two, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, um, and this one's been hard emotionally. But that's just because of us, you know. We got bro- we got dumped, or we dumped our yeah. we dumped the prettiest girl we ever dated. 
Uh, that's it. All right. That's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. It's time to ice some fools up. All right. Uh, and uh, who wants to go first? Ice up picks. Somebody's got to have a good one. I just do mine because it's simple, man. Look, I'm a Clemson fan, and I think Florida State University is a bunch of pussies. I think Clemson passed every protocol to be able to play that game. For those of you who don't know, Clemson went to Tallahassee to play uh, Florida State. Uh, they had one player that tested positive, but he didn't train that uh, that entire week. He only tested positive uh, later in the week. And uh, Clemson offered to move the game to uh, Sunday or Monday. And FSU said they still didn't want to do it. Mind you, there are other games that have been played this season in college football that have had much, much worse circumstances that didn't lead to an outbreak. And the game was still able to be played. Um, everybody wanted to uh, come under fire on Dabo Sweeney and say he was a bad leader. Uh, no, he said what his whole team felt. So to all the people looking to uh, say that Clemson was trying to be unsafe or that they didn't care about uh, health and safety, that's bullshit. They passed every protocol. FSU pushed it out to the Florida State Seminoles. Ice up, son. I like it. All right. Anybody next? Anybody want to go next? Uh, yeah, I'll go. Uh, mine's simple. We uh, dabbled in this on Sunday. I actually had a different one, but I've uh, been drinking too much whiskey and I forgot what the other one was. So I'm going to go with my backup plan here. I might see up the NFL because as I've always, uh, you know, advertised, the NFL is a television show. Uh, I think it's the highest rated television show of all time, too. So you got to remember they go by statistics and they go by what's going to make them the most money. And the fact that they will cancel certain games and make them be played on Wednesday afternoons at three o'clock in the afternoon or two o'clock in the afternoon, whenever the, the, uh, the Ravens Steelers game is tomorrow uh, is, is garbage. And then they'll make teams like the Broncos who they know are not going to make the playoffs or not make any kind of noise or not make any kind of money play with a backup wide receiver from the practice squad as quarterback. It's bullshit, man. The NFL is a fucking TV show. They will slay thing or excuse me, slant things to go in their direction. I'm sorry. There's too many coincidences. Peyton Manning winning the 50th Super Bowl. They want Peyton Manning to win that. And they, they want Peyton Manning to be the face of the 50th Super Bowl rather than Cam Newton. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers and, and, and uh, Mahomes last year. They wanted that to be the Super Bowl matchup. They're in all the commercials together. It's not very hard to see what the NFL is doing. It's a TV show. Be fair, man. This is sports. It's about competition. There's supposed to be no bias in it. It's supposed to be total who is the best wins. Ice up, NFL. Like, seriously, stop playing these games. Let the best teams win, period. Give everybody a fair chance. CK? Um, I'm going to – this is a hard one, but – I'm going to go to a very easy one, and I'm going to get a slightly political. Um, the boy who cried wolf, like, or let, let me not even say that. The con, the, the the hashtag fake news is so old at this point in time that every time you're accused of something, you should not just have to say fake news, right? Let investigations take place. But I got, I cringe almost every time I see Donald Trump post post a tweet, and. 
this time it's about an investigation about possible bribery for a pardon, right? Whatever. Whether it's true or not is irrelevant. But the reality is you take to social media every time there's something like this and you make your sound sound you make yourself sound like an impetulant child. You know, fake news, this is fake news, it's not real. Stop. You don't have to voice your opinion on every single subject. You're supposed to be the president of the United States, even if it is just simply for another 50 days or whatever it is. Just ice up, Donald Trump. You lost. Move on. Let's get on with our lives. Period. I'm just ready to be over it. Yeah. My my uh, ice up pick is super simple. Um, I'm not going. Co- I got some other things about COVID protocols and different things that annoy me because I think half of it's for show. Um my, uh, and actually, I can't avoid it. I gotta say it. My friend put up a tweet. It sounded awesome. He was watching the b- mm-hmm. basketball game. He said, "I love how uh, they call timeout, and then all these guys get huddled up together, very close. And then when they're not in timeout, they make them six the same six dudes sit six feet apart. Oh <laughs> so, my god, <laughs> optic bro! Oh, that is funny to me. But my ice pick goes the Panthers this yeah. week for that loss. The Vikings, like just squandered, and not that I really, you know, this ice up, and uh, that's the show. Two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight was a blast tonight. The post game got a lot of action. Interesting, folks. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Smash the thumbs up button. Call into the show. Participate in the chat and do me a solid. I don't ask for your money. If you give it, that's cool. That's nice with anybody that donates to anything. I donated Wikipedia today because I believe in the idea of it. Um, But what you can do for me, your donation to me, share the show on social media with a friend. Tell a friend about it. See a Panther fan say, hey, check out this podcast. I listen to it because we got more views on our show than any show all season when we sucked. Let's change that, folks. Let's have the most views every week, whether we're good, bad, or indifferent. I know it's hard. I know mediocrity is tough to cheer for in either way. It's good. It's easy to say crap when we're terrible, and it's really easy to be excited when we're great. But let's just remember, one podcast, one tweet, one share at a time. Let's grow this sucker. Cody Lashney, your tag. How can they get up with you? Yeah, you, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cody Lack, C-O-D-Y-L-A-C. Um, everybody knows you can approach me, message me, ask me all kind of questions at me. I'll BS with you. And um, there will be a brand new mock draft. Uh, this Thursday this week on drafthack.com with all first round comments for the Carolina Panthers written by yours truly. Get some insight into how I'm uh, trying to um, draft some players and how I would do it and uh, give you a clue of um, who to look out for this draft season. CK, where can they find you? You can find me on facebook.gg slash Allen. I stream most nights. And, uh, you know, we uh, we have some fun. I have a, a short little clip coming out that's actually really uh, I, I, I freaked out over. So we're going to hopefully have that out here in the next week or so. So anyway, yeah. find me All on right. the- Awesome. Well. Follow it. Follow it. Watch those video games. It's fun. Uh, Greg. Check me out at the Bat Daddy 52 on Twitter. Uh, it's my only form of social media. If you can find me there, you can find me everywhere. Uh, Geek Open Alliance Network. I am on the Internet's. 
four or five days a week live doing some kind of recording. If it's not live, it drops the next day in audio. Just check me out. I'm on a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. Uh, guys, update. Uh, the Dunn family uh, spent much of its Thanksgiving playing uh, family ver- games of Among Us, uh, where even the grandparents mm-hmm. were playing it. Um, oh, wow. I think nice. yeah, I can see why people like it, but at the same time, it's just okay. Um, yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you. Uh, sun- not Sunday. No, we got a week. We got to no. take this Sunday yeah, off, guys. Sunday. Take this Sunday off. We'll see you next Tuesday, guys. Have a good one. Keep pounding. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.